this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my fellow Westorians. Welcome back to the Monday spoiler-free reviews for House of the Dragon. This will be episode four. Every Monday at six, we do these live streams. Spoiler-free, as I said. Saturdays at three, we have spoiler versions where we also look ahead and talk about what we missed or what we couldn't discuss because of said spoilers. Yeah. Make sure as well... To watch our synopsis videos before each live stream, if you can. Sometimes the synopsis video is available right before, right after, right around. But the audio version is usually going to be up a few hours ahead. That will help prepare you for the week of discussions that you're likely to have. Because you're like us. You're really into this stuff. <laughs> Sean, pretty good episode, huh? Yes, it was outstanding. I was maybe, if I'm going to complain, uh, a little gratuitous on the nudity. Uh, the sexuality, I don't even think was particularly gratuitous because I think they needed to make a particular point. Yeah. But, you know, some of the women could have had a little more clothes on, you know. <laughs> but 
Uh, maybe that for your a lot of people probably. <laughs> I had zero complaints about it for that yeah. on that front. Uh, it, it's a nitpick complaint, and it's not unique to Game of Thrones, really. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I don't want to be too What's negative funny about is it, oh, my, especially because. My main point is that it might be my favorite episode. Like it's, Word, it's yeah. really, really awesome. It's almost like some way, of the yeah. same complaints that people would have with action, but this is a different style of action, right? Like both a different way yeah. of showing sexuality uh, in and a different way of filming it. And yeah, so we'll get into that. I think I'd rather have too much gratuitous sex and nudity than too much gratuitous violence and killing. Sure. So, you yeah. know, like if one thing is going to be part of the world, I'd rather it be sex and nudity than violence and death. You know? Yeah. The two combined are where it really goes too far. And they, they said they won't do much of that. And so far they've held to that. So that's good. Um, yeah. So shout out to a couple of our lovely patrons who have been keeping the lights on over here, helping us do what we do. Jeff Gnarly, the long snapper history of Westeros, first sword. And Dragon Lord Eric, the Evening Shade, Lord of the Groves and Defender of Stigai, Rider of Exodes Scapularis, the Bloodthirsty, a dragon with purple scales, wings with a red underside, black horns, and green eyes. As you can see here, art by Ed Shear, a.k.a. Cheese and Pencils. Also a super chat from Lynette Carter says, Ryan really spoiled us with this week's episode. So T-worthy. Love what you do, so keep it up. Yeah, Ryan did spoil us. There was so much lore, so much great dialogue. Of course, it's not just Ryan, but the whole squad. But he told us some of this was coming in the interview. And yeah, it was great. A really intense episode, I guess we could say, despite the La- mostly the lack of violence there was some of course <laughs> it just has so much sprawl even with a small cast of characters because it doesn't treat us like we can't keep up we're getting off-screen mentions one-liners things that really matter they're important plot points summarized in just a couple of lines of dialogue and not portrayed directly but we keep up with it i mean that's part of what we're here to do i think most of the audience doesn't need to to have a lot of this stuff deeply explained. I think you guys get it when they mention Aenar the Exile. You know who that is, or most of you do. And if you don't, well, you come in and you ask the question. Sean doesn't, but unsullied yeah. folk are a little <laughs> less likely to know who that is. By the way, Sean, did you catch that mention when they were like, when I think it was Allison was like, you could be sullied. You know? Oh, <laughs> yes. I thought of you. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. If I find out who Anar is, will I be sullied? No, Anar's <laughs> the one. You've heard the name before. Anar's the one that led the Targaryens away from Valyria to move to Dragonstone because his daughter okay, has the Tar- Yeah. The Targaryens came from Valyria to Dragonstone, to Westeros, but then like generations later, they conquered Westeros. Right? A hundred, about a like hundred years later. Yeah. Moments. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Anar is Aegon's great, great, great grandfather, if I remember right, or Maybe one more great. So around that. It's probably hard to tell who came before him, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's actually, that was a really funny reference. Yeah, they had, uh, we don't know who come, comes before Anar. And Viserys was like, before the Anar owned the dagger, it's difficult to know. Like, yep, that's true. We, we don't know either, Viserys. I was kind of hoping he would name a name there. I'd be like, oh. But it was fitting that he didn't. So, you know, I, I also want to follow up on that uh super chat earlier t-worthy i i hadn't that's a good phrase i like that <laughs> i think this episode right like i like an episode that's there's so much so only so much to gossip about when like someone runs for a battlefield okay yeah. hey what did you see him with a sword yeah he had a sword okay and they won the battle okay well all right there's nothing else to talk about now <laughs> but an episode like this is so full of stuff to talk about so full of like 
motivations to ponder, to, to interactions, to, to think about how they play out or could have, should have played out, what's going to happen next, why people are doing things they did. I, I love this episode. The and That really reflects in our synopsis episodes as well, because the first three were all around nine minutes, and this one was about 15, or a little over 15. So <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was rich. You're right. So much to describe. There's no action to just kind of one describe in one or two lines. But yeah, really, really awesome. I agree. And the reaction everywhere else seems to be equally strong. Uh, people are loving this episode. Y'all weigh in in the chat as well what you think. Join the discussion on Facebook and Discord as well if you're not here live. We do our Facebook polls about who the standout performer was. Last week, the Facebook group chose Patty Considine at 40%, Matt Smith 27%, and Millie Alcock 12% for episode three. Millie Alcock getting third place. It's her lowest finish so far. <laughs> she just keeps doing so well. And I imagine she's going to be in the mix again when we do our 3 by 3 which is right now. I'll start. Highlight performance for me. I'm going to say Emily Kerrigan. It's the second time I picked her. I really I just am drawn to her performance, her like walking the line of not playing both sides and manipulating both sides, but trying to help both sides or all sides. She's the glue within her family. And this time we actually see her get upset and see where her boundaries are and see her push back a bit. But also shout out to Reese Ifans. I thought he was fantastic too. He's a little, a lot more cunning and a little dirtier. But I was just really moved. I still felt kind of sorry for him. You know, I still felt like he was in a tough spot. Is that Otto? Yeah. Is that the actor who plays Otto? Yeah, yeah. which is like, yeah. I'm feeling sorry for Otto. Good job, actor. Good job, Reese. Like you, that made me realize, wow, that means he's doing a great job. So I'll give him that shout out. What about you, Shea? I'm just going to phone it in and say Millie Alcock again. I really <laughs> tried to say someone else, but <laughs> I really thought she did a really good job here again. I'm not going to pretend someone else is my favorite performance <laughs> of the episode when it was her. <laughs> Ride that Millie train. Yeah, what about you, Sean? Can't argue. Can't argue, man. Sean <laughs> likes to leave our documents empty. He doesn't He doesn't write <laughs> in his answer for these. So, so I'm truly surprised. left like, what is it? What's yeah, it going to be, gonna Sean? Be? <laughs> I, I think I'm going to pick Millie Alcock again here, though. I think this is the the closest. It's the first time I've been considering a third person, the, the actress that played uh, Allison. Yeah. I think this is the Emily, most range yeah. she got. Um, but it's also the uh, – it's just tough competition, mm, right? Like, yes. however great she does, I still think Millie Alcock is doing a little bit better. Patty Considine, last episode, I picked him over – Millie Alcock, but this time, again, he did maybe even better than last time, but I think Millie Alcock came back and did a little bit better this time. Just that moment when Allison is confronting her and, and she's like processing, okay, she knows uh, these are vile accusations. That, that was a really subtle, perfectly played moment on Millie Alcock. So that was maybe the highlight one, but there's a bunch of others too. So right on. I'm still picking her. Cool, cool. Uh, so highlight plot slash scene. I'm going to go with, this is really tough. It's hard to pick one. I'm going to go with the uh, the scene where the, it's actually funny because I'm not calling this the dragon moment where, and there's very little dragon, true dragon moments in this. We have to go a little metaphorical with that, where uh, Damon buzzes the ship because I'm really enamored with these kind of tongue in cheek, straightforward, yet you could easily miss it foreshadowing moments i just tweeted about this right before the episode started i loved the take a page from nineria's book when she tore the page out and this was him rocking the boat and the waves the ripple effect the waves really 
explain a lot of what happens in this episode. A lot of unintended consequences. For example, Millie hits her head. Or Emily. Millie, Emily. Rhaenyra (laughs) hits her head on the railing. And then Kristen Cole takes her in hand, which is really kind of setting up the way the rest of the episode goes. Damon does something to make a statement, to be provocative, and ends up having an unintended consequence of, yeah, he ends. she ends up in his arms instead. So very subtle, yet once you look at it, it's arguably not subtle. So it's kind of that subtle, not subtle, and I really love that combo of heavy, not heavy, like Led Zeppelin or Iron Butterfly. <laughs> well, it's the type of thing that you don't catch at first, but when you do catch, you're like, oh, it's so obvious. That, that's yeah, a, yeah, exactly. That's what I would call exactly. that moment, yeah. Ashay, what about you? Well... I think anyone who follows me on Twitter knows my answer. <laughs> Look at that dude. <laughs> it's Samuel Blackwood. This is Bloody Ben's father yeah. uh, from the iconic House Blackwood. And that was my highlight. Just seeing the the infamous Blackwood-Bracken duel right here. I, it was just all of that. He yeah. was great. <laughs> it, was a, it was a real treat for longtime book readers, wasn't it? Even though it was pretty bloody there at the end did you notice by the way that he started heaving after he killed the bracken he like he started choking like he was upset with himself like he couldn't believe what he just did which yeah, i found I mean, very he, very like believable yeah he looks human. like he's like 14 years old so he yeah. probably has not killed a man before yeah and he uh, was furious and anger it was like his the the anger of his family behind all that and then he just becomes an individual again and realizes what he's done and it's like whoa and you can figure they're will be consequences probably i mean this is the bracken blackwood rivalry doesn't just stop here (laughs) sean what about you well my my first instinct the one i wanted to be my favorite moment the show just didn't go i mean if if you don't have people making mistakes there's not gonna be as much plot right but when damon comes back I, i i rita could tell you i was saying out loud i was like just hug him just hug him. What are you waiting for? When Damon and Vissaros are kind of courts are real contentious, it's like, it seems like this is the moment of reconciliation that you need. Like, and they hug. It's like, oh, yeah. oh everything's going to be okay. <laughs> or not. Or not. It was for a real day. brief respite, wasn't it? Yeah, one night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was like one. So yeah. given that that moment was spoiled, and I feel like I can't pick it for the, at least for the reasons I wanted to originally, my, my secondary moment was another kind of revealing moment that, that makes you think about things in a different way that I didn't realize that till the second time I watched it. Before Otto goes in to tell Viserys about Rhaenyra, they have a moment. There's a scene when he's kind of like collecting himself. Yeah. He's, He's grimaced and he's taking a breath and 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 I, I I you know it's hard to really know you know but but I you know I, my impression the first time around was much like Vasaris and Rhaenyra is that Otto was kind of playing them but and and not that he isn't but there's more to it than there that. is where they wouldn't it, have shown yeah. us a scene they showed us a scene for a reason he really did feel bad about what he was bringing to the king about the impact this would have on the realm he maybe could have brought it to the king in a different way right he could have brought it to him was like we got to find a way to cover this up not you have to find a way to deal with this now or you know you didn't necessarily handle it correctly but my point is it i realized from that little moment they gave us of Otto before he went in there that he is conflicted and it's not as simple as he's connivingly ambitious yeah more to it he's not rubbing his fingers like ah here's my chance here's another opportunity for my grandson no you're right like that was not the look of a man who is sees an opportunity 
That is a man yeah. who is imagine, very uncomfortable with what he's what he's about to have to do, which shows that he's got imagine some, Littlefinger. He's yeah. not not in seizing moment, the opportunity right? though. Yeah, like, he did seize the opportunity, he but he wasn't like giddy he, or like yeah. yeah he was uncomfortable with it, and I think he also was aware that it could backfire on him. So there was a little bit. Of, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I think there was right. a little bit of that in his unease. Yeah. Like I don't know that it was just. Oh, I feel so bad about telling my friend Viserys. I think he's like, oh, I'm telling him something that could get me killed. Like yeah. realistically, yeah. I, I think he he had some. It's uh, a don't kill. It's a don't kill the messenger moment. He's and he's the messenger. It's it's you know yeah. he's like he's not going to get beaten mm-hmm. with a helmet like Damon did to that guy, that other guy. But it is maybe a similar sort of trepidation where he's like, I don't want to be the man to do this. <laughs> I wish someone else could deliver and- this news. And he is his friend. They've known each other a mm-hmm. long time. Vasaurus even said, like, you taught me to be king. Even Vasaurus was torn, I, too. I mean, he, like, he, it seems like they're more than friends. I mean, that makes yeah. it sound wrong. But no, it does seem like he's <laughs> right. a little bit of a, of, a, of a paternal father figure to him. Like, yeah, again, yeah. You, talk, yeah. you taught me how to be a king. And here we are every episode talking about what a mediocre king Viserys <laughs> is. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, Viserys, yeah, it was really meaningful because Viserys is all... I... He wanted to hear that. He realized upon the way that scene played out, he's like, this is why I can't trust you anymore. Because, yeah, I hear you. I see the compassion. I hear what you're saying. But I can't fully get around that some of this might be your ambition. And I need to that not i need for that not to be here i need to that for that to be expunged from the situation the only way to do that is by expunging you there's no separating your family loyalty from the situation it's impossible and that's very human like this show that's a very human conflict of interest like really well done you know also even if uh even if even if there wasn't a conflict of interest right even if some of could know the auto was magically unbiased right he also said look Perception matters as much as the yeah. truth, right? You know, I'm realizing this. Do you think no one else is going to realize this? So that's also a factor. And I think that Viserys maybe just like uh, uh, Otto maybe could have handled it better, right? Yeah, maybe maybe. maybe. So, several of these things that like uh, <laughs> he could have presented in a different way, if nothing else. Taking different Otto, actions uh, uh, prior to all this would have been a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Like if, again, like I think if Otto had come to him and say, hey, look, Renera got herself in trouble we got to find a way to cover this up. Mm. Right. Like if that had yeah. been his approach, he'd approached it. Differently, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, same thing. Vasaurus maybe could approach this with auto differently. He, he did it in a way that auto is going to feel slighted. And maybe there's he, his first he, reaction he, maybe, was to not believe it. He, at first he's like, who made this yeah. rumor up? You've been lied to. Like he definitely didn't accept it at first, which is part of yeah. what Otto was probably worried about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he kind of saw that coming. Anyway, All right, we we'll a, probably talk about this more through the episode. We have a but. super chat that, it, that um, uh, addresses this, so let's bring that up real quick. From Connor okay. Cunningham, it's disappointing we're losing some of these actors. Did Viserys imply Otto's involvement in his father's death? Thoughts on the truth in that? And welcome to the screen, House Blackwood. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you think that Viserys really was getting in his in his uh, cups there, thinking about it, or do you think he kind of just like had to put it on something? Like he, he kind of tr- was trying to justify what his decision was, or do you think he actually, in some part of him, thinks maybe Otto killed my dad? I don't think that because the type of, I mean, maybe that's just because of what I know about what a, I looked up what a burst belly was. When we talked about this um, a few months ago. And maybe that's just my perception of it, that it doesn't seem like it could be poison. But that doesn't mean Viserys knows that. Viserys doesn't necessarily have the same medical information we do. But 
uh, how would Otto have known he was going to get chosen? That's the other thing. He points out, he's like, you were just one man out of many at my grandfather's court. You know, you went from just a, a, reg, a, a rando at court to the second most powerful man. There's no way I think Otto could have known he would have been chosen for that. I think that's maybe the part that I don't, that, that puts a big dent in the idea. Unless Along with the idea that I other... really don't think Balon was poisoned. It, unless he was doing some other manipulating in the background, which is what Vissaris is starting to wonder about now. Yes. Like, like what else did you do in those five days right. leading up to this? I think five that days, shows he's know? suspicious. And maybe and that's the suspicions that he does when he's like, I'm suspicious of this. Maybe I don't have a good reason to be suspicious, but that just goes to show that I can't trust you, Norm. I'm I'm rethinking yeah, the fact that I even consider this line means that I probably shouldn't have you yeah. making decisions. It's on like my he's back. rethinking their whole life together and like, well, what yeah. else, what are these other have did you manipulate me here? And then he and that stems from being having Allison sent to him when he's weak. That one he's sure of, and Otto can't deny that one. That one is true. Like, we all called it at the time. We, 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 weren't, we didn't call that Viserys would realize that in retrospect, and then that would have consequences for Otto. But, that, but it makes sense that that is what happened. You know, Viserys figured it out and in thinking all this through, and it was, it was a really good thing to seize on. Like, yeah, this is proof that Otto has manipulated me at least once, and now what about all these other times? Yeah. So did someone say this episode was T-worthy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is T-worthy. So, dr- dragon moment. I already mentioned the one dragon moment, which was really more about Damon than Caraxes. And there wasn't a lot of dragon stuff directly. So I'm going with dragon lore, like I said. Shout out to the huge number of Targaryen name drops in this one. Anar, Aegon I, Jaehaerys, and Alicent. A bunch of the daughters were mentioned, not by name, but pretty much all the daughters were mentioned. And they had a lot of daughters. Was it? Six daughters, five daughters, a lot of daughters. And Alyssa was the one most referred to because that's the mother, the one that Viserys is like, oh, mom always liked you best. You know, <laughs> that was pretty funny. That one moment, that one happy moment they're sharing when Viserys is, seems drunk. <laughs> and then <laughs> then talking about Balon, the father, in that scene with Otto. So that was a lot of Targaryen name drops there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there was other family mentions too, Blackwood and Black Bracken and Valari. By the way, I, like that. if it doesn't get worked in somewhere else in in our episode, I want to talk about that scene. So cool. We'll get back to it. Nice. But... Yeah. At the end, in fact, I've got that set up. And okay. Shay, what about you? Um, since there weren't a lot of actual dragon moments, I'll have to go with um, the fire dragon that they used to great effect to light the very dark uh, King's Landing nighttime scenes, um, which was one I appreciated because it had a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of symbolism, a lot of that. But just in terms of a technical level, they were talking about how they really wanted it to be lit only by three things, sun, moon, or flame. And so this was a great way for them to have flame lighting them and like the waves uh, passing over her face and just it, it worked really well like the breathing element of it on a made it seem more like festival too the way yeah like absolutely in, in and out the lighting was yeah it's like stone dragons breathing fire it's a little bit metaphorical to some of the prophecies as well and it's just a reference to something that lady gwen pointed out on saturday she actually predicted this somewhat that there would be robust fire displays in part because of what's expressed in a song of ice and fire particularly when danny goes to karth and there's fire mages and quaith is like before your dragons were, re- were reborn this fire mage could barely get flint out of obsidian or get sparks out of obsidian now there's just the fire magic is working a lot better so in this era with dragons all around you might think 
little minor fire magic would work a little better. And you see, like, at one point, there's a guy with flaming hands, and there's little people doing fire tricks. It's like, yeah, so that really fit in really well. So, Lady Gwen, good prediction there. Uh, Sean, what about you? Muted. I also really love that moment at the beginning. You already talked about the idea that Damon's recklessness hurt Rhaenyra, and he she falls into Kriston's arms. But there's another another I don't know for you mentioned foreshadowing. I'm almost scared to get reactions to this <laughs> when they're going through the the adventure of the city and that blind woman, some sort of you know street seer or whatever. She's like, "Oh, would you like to know your death child?" <laughs> and that moment's interrupted by a dragon breathing fire. I don't know what they're trying to tell us there. No but. comments. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Good catch there. Yeah. We, we noticed that too, but yeah, we'll, we'll be talking a bit a little bit about that more on Saturday's stream, but Sean, good, good catch. Okay. So some themes and patterns to set up the rest of the episode to help frame our discussions as we often, and this is our second task each episode as it's been working out family, big, probably biggest of all family stuff. So many Targaryens, as we already mentioned, not to mention Baratheon and Valarian are technically family of, of a sort. They're intermarried, right? Blackwood and Bracken, Dondarrion and Blackwood as well. It's, it's very sneaky that the two most prominent suitors of old man and a young boy, both those houses do eventually marry into House Targaryen. Jenna Dondarrion marries Baylor Breakspear and uh, Black Betha, <laughs> Black Betha Blackwood marries Egg, Aegon V. So they do get there eventually. I go into greater detail in the synopsis. It's kind of backwards. I go into greater detail in the synopsis than in the full explanation. But hey, don't need to do it twice. There's also lots of lies, omissions, and secrets, hidden agendas, hidden passages, hidden identities, hidden goals. Yeah, all sorts of stuff like that. And plans backfiring. Damon's seduction of Rainier backfires. Instead of getting a wife, he gets himself kicked out again, and, and it hurts everyone in the process. Damon's treatment of Mazaria kind of backfires. She spies on him. She also helps him a little bit, but she spies on him. Rainier loses the ability to choose her own husband. That's part of the backfiring of her going out and having a little party time. Otto's spying backfires. He Just the very act of spying on the princess makes it look like he's jockeying for position and he's fueling his own ambitions. Gets him kicked out. Um, Allison arguing for Damon's banishment is part of what leads to her father getting kicked out. So that backfires. There's the short, brutal moment like the Bracken guy taunting the Black... That obviously backfired. <laughs> about as straightforward as you get there. And, of course, Blackwood killing a Bracken might backfire on him, too. But we'll have to wait and see on that. Not to mention, which, which brings us to things that have yet to backfire that probably will later. Uh, some of which we'll talk about on Saturday. Do you guys think I missed anything there? There's so many little things that you could say are evidences of backfiring. Kristen Cole, his... Things backfired for him, like trying to be a king's guard. Now he's compromised. <laughs> and yeah, so any other come to mind uh, right here, or you can certainly drop them throughout the episode. Feel free to weigh in chat if you notice any others. I, I do want to point out that I don't, it might be coming, it might just be happening more in this episode, but it might be coming more to the forefront because I feel like there have been a few backfire plans already yeah. in the past couple of episodes. Yeah, probably. And as another thing I noticed in this episode is I feel like, and again, I don't know if it's, actually new to this episode or if I'm just now keying in on it, but I feel like they were featuring the servants around the keep a little bit more. Mm. 
And I wonder if that's maybe in conjunction with auto is spying. I wonder if it were mm. getting us to realize the potential for spying yeah. and how much, how aware are these people around her? Remember Allison sent the servants out when she wanted to talk yeah. to the king privately. And she did a little spying, um, they, not on purpose, but she ended up like, uh, I'm overhearing yeah. a conversation. I'm not supposed to overhear. Yeah. 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 Vassars doesn't know that she, or I mean, uh, her father didn't Otto know. Otto doesn't yeah. know that she overheard that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and there was another moment that I found interesting because, again, I tried it real hard to think about everything they show us. Why are they showing us? There's a scene. It was kind of overhead shot. Uh, it starts with the servants like lighting candles oh, yeah. and then dispersing off in different directions. And even wonder if there was like seven of them. There was like nine of them. I, seven might have been meaningful in some way, but I I don't know exactly what it meant other than it seems to me they're featuring the servants in general for some reasons. Right on. Well said. Okay, uh, the first scene is at Storm's End. That is the, uh, well, at least we think it's at Storm's End. It certainly seems to be that way. This, we'll call it the Storm's End Cattle Show in honor of the Maiden's Day Cattle Show, which is something that happens after the Dance of the Dragons. There's a similar scenario where a young royal has a whole bunch of people arrayed to choose from. It's rever- The genders are reversed in that one, but it's uh, it's somewhat similar in that it's a real schlock, and the person who's being presented all these people is really not having it really not interested in this process so that's a I saw fast forwarding there someone on twitter called this the medieval tinder <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> medieval tinder or bachelorette <laughs> game of thrones yeah <laughs> so it continues the pattern of not when no one really being good enough and while maybe is a little back and forth she could maybe be a little nicer about it but she's not wrong like this 70-year-old man coming up and being like, I am a, I'm a husband for you. He's, she's like, this is gross. This is not seemly. He's like, it could be nicer. He's like, yeah, but he shouldn't be standing there in the first place. And he's like, good point. Like, yeah, he really shouldn't be. <laughs> you know, like, this is inappropriate. Yeah, like, you shouldn't have bothered. <laughs> You're wasting everyone's time, dude. <laughs> Uh, the young boy is. He should probably. He should probably go to a brothel and make out with his niece. That wouldn't be as unseemly. That's what he should. Do. Yeah, that's that's the Westerosi way. If he wants to be like a royal in this realm, <laughs> a young boy not a great choice either. Uh, especially given a big part of the point is she's looking for someone who can defend her. Now this guy does show he's more skilled with the sword than we may have thought. But again, he starts heaving as soon as he's done with it. So it's like, yeah, this guy. Maybe he needs a little more seasoning before he should be considered for marrying at the top here. Um, so that was Gerald Bracken. Um, and I have a correction for us that I tweeted a bunch about this Samuel Blackwood yesterday because while well, in canon, Samuel Blackwood fights an Amos Bracken for Rhaenyra's hand. And in fact, they have changed this to the invented Willem Blackwood. Okay. So this is Willem Blackwood fighting Gerald Bracken, two invented names. But that raises the question, of course, is Willem Samuel Blackwood's brother and thus Bloody Ben's uncle? Or is this a replacement for Sam Blackwood and now Ben's father is Willem Blackwood? We'll have to continue watching to find out, but that is the correction for y'all. Uh, obviously, they have said they don't really want to be changing names willy-nilly, so we'll we'll see if they change the name or if they just said it makes sense that there's a couple uncles here. Like, Yeah, and there would. There, there would be. be. Yeah. Like We have Sam had a sister, Black Alley, so if he could have also had a brother... Willem Blackwood. So it remains to be seen. Yeah. And like you said as well, the, the book canon version, the Bracken wins the duel. Yeah. Uh, and there's no mention of anyone dying. So this, this 
if it's they already like, changed. So this was either changed or something in addition to that, perhaps, or yeah. Yeah, they're just having all sorts of duels all over the place. There was also the Sam Amos duel. That's yeah. what we'll tell ourselves. I mean, you can't. <laughs> You can't say the Brackens and Blackwoods have too many duels. Like, yeah, it just <laughs> fits to have as many as you want. <laughs> Todd, so talk. You know, yeah, go ahead. A- another moment, another piece of this opening sequence that th- through the course of the episode, I feel like Rhaenyra makes several mistakes. Yeah. Takes several disappointing actions, <laughs> at least. <No> doubt. <laughs> and maybe it's understandable for a teenager to not have her life and relationships and emotions all figured out. But in the same way, we wouldn't judge this, this young boy for you know maybe he's not ready to be the king well maybe Renera's not ready to be the queen either yeah and among the things about her actions that irked me a little bit through this episode was she seemed to like the bracken guy she seemed to like this disrespectful snide uh guy on the sidelines she was like i could get to like him i was like I don't know. I don't like who she's attracted to. I don't know if she's making the best decisions. <laughs> I mean, she's already into Damon. We already saw saw that. So yeah, it's already like being attracted to the bad boy kind of thing. It really reminded me of The Simpsons when Mr. Burns is choosing an heir and he didn't like the singing kid and and, and Nelson comes up and beats up. He's like, oh yes, extra point for the bully. Yeah. <laughs> He's voting for the bully. That was right here. I need to grab a screenshot of, of Mr. Burns saying extra points for the bully and put that for, for Gerald Bracken because they literally described him in the behind the scenes as a bully. <laughs> Mr. Burns yeah. would have voted. And Burns sounds like a Targaryen, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's really old. He's just, yeah, really rich. I mean, you know. Okay, so seems to be impervious to disease. Indestructible. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> you're right. Wow, you're really making a strong case here. Okay, so <laughs> so that gets cut short. Rainier's like, no more of this. I'm out of here. Two months. He's in charge of nuclear power. Sorry, I had to get them and then I'll The dragons are like nuclear power. You're right. Wow, this is such a strong parallel. <laughs> He's a descendant, just a long, you know, like long lost <laughs> descendant of the Targaryens. So the next section we'll call Return of the Prince. Everyone is a flutter. It's amazing how everyone's like, oh, you got to sing it. that one, though. Return of the Prince. Okay, good. Return <laughs> of the Prince. Thanks. Come again. <laughs> uh, so he. I'll dance. Yeah. So do we need to do a dance as well? You, that, yeah. That's your job, Sean. You're, <laughs> yeah, that's you're your supposed job. to be dancing. Yeah, I was doing it. Okay, good. good. <laughs> so, yeah, Damon's the Mac and he has returned. Uh, he's. Everyone's. A, it's so hilarious. Everyone's just like, get the court. Everyone, get to court. Hurry up. Get in line. Even Viserys is like waiting, like with bated breath, you know, and they're like, it's Damon, it's Damon. You know, you can hear the whispering. I love, I love that so much. He walks in like, you know, he was relishing that. Like they're all awaiting my return. Like he took over, like he was, all eyes were on him in the throne room where all eyes were supposed to be on the king generally. Like he he really just took the spotlight away from his brother. And he knew that. He, he played this as much as he mishandled so many other things this episode he played this moment perfectly walked in did the politics the diplomacy perfectly kneels down hands his throat did you by the way were you wary when he knelt down did you think it was going to be like a trick like he did at the stepstones where he was giving up his sword because i i i know it's going to happen but i wasn't sure if someone unsullied would be like oh that's the same thing he did at the stepstones you know, pretending it, it to didn't occur to me. I feel like maybe it should have occurred to me, but it didn't. So. Cool. And I, I, all I was thinking was just hug each other. Just yeah, that's right. That's you did say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he says that great line, add it to the chair, throws the hammer down and, 
you know, and gives his crown up. It's pretty cool. Very similar to the book version of this scene. And, and the, the the major difference in the book scene is that it happens at a tournament. He flies around the tourney grounds and his, his dragon is there as he's submitting. So it's maybe got a little extra gravitas. But it's more tense in this version because they're much closer to each other. They're standing next to each other like in arm's length. Whereas in the, the book version, Viserys is like way up on a pavilion where he's hey brother way down there you know <laughs> so but very similar end result he puts everyone at ease with this the whole realm is like ah the brothers are f- friends again but yeah that obviously lasts what 10 minutes <laughs> of episode time <laughs> he, we, he tells Rhaenyra I just wanted to come home which is one of the one of multiple lies told in front of the heart tree this episode, <laughs> but we'll come back to that later. He did say, if I remember right, he wanted the comforts of home. Okay, so maybe that might not have been yeah. a total lie. The old gods looking into his heart with that home. one. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. real, like, do the old gods care about the letter of the of the wording, or are they about the spirit? The yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Ashay? Is it the letter of the oath, or is it the spirit of the oath? For the old gods. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, really, because like sometimes you just say something and you're unintentionally lying. You know, like you just like misrepresent. I like I think it's intention and exactly saying it. Mm -hmm. So like Rhaenyra saying Damon did not touch me, that was a lie, and she was lying in spirit. It was both right there. Yeah, you're right. Well, she was sort of telling the truth. I agree she's being deceitful, but I do want to point out that she, at this moment, she's, it's unfair for her to only be addressing this, but she's trying to address the idea of whether or not she's still a maiden. Yeah, exactly. Right? But if she had and just said that. And didn't have sex. So... But he still touched her. That's right. my point is he, that she literally right, yeah, actually yeah. lied when she said, Damon did not touch me. She he had did. a way to say technically the truth, yeah, she but she didn't. Yeah, she, she said, did. no, he point. didn't touch me, yeah. which is false. If she just Where said, it, no, he didn't. Yeah. We didn't have sex. That would have been true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I still think the old gods might have frowned on her being just like trying yeah. to, to uh, not mm-hmm. tell the truth in that situation, yeah. even if she didn't actually lie, which is why I said I don't think it always has to be the case. I think just being like a little bit dishonest in front of it might. And Allison would be upset no matter what. Like this is she's just, her friend yes. is deceiving her in any in yeah. any way you slice it. But I also don't think it matters that much because they're Targaryens and the old gods aren't their gods and they're maybe not, not. going to be going into the Rarewood Network to be judged at all not, by yeah, them. They're just going to get burned up like that. That's so I, I, <laughs> I don't think she's ever going to be like I mean like because their their bodies are cremated after their death. Yeah. They don't go. They don't get fed into like the root system. In other words, that's to true, be clear. Um, so I don't think it's relevant to her. So we have the Street of Silk. Let's go there. Uh, actually, that's, let's go there. Yeah, it sounds. It looks like a quite a place to party. No, it's, a, it's, <laughs> yeah, a it's, famous... like, it's like the Amsterdam Red Light District kind of place. Yeah, it really kind of is. Uh, now, there, this is to be um, paired up with the Street of Steel, which is where, say, Gendry was found in Season 8, working away on his forges. There's lots of forges on the Street of Steel. This is the Street of Stilk, so there's probably there's a few other streets of something. I appreciated uh, Landing. Viserys and Damon talking about their time on the Street of Silk yep. together. I included that in the little, little mini mentions that we have later. That is very relevant, you're right. So, Tyr- I mean, Tyrion's many journeys there are known. He eventually started sneaking there and pretending to see Alayaya as a cover to visit Shay. And there's all those secret passages that may be built by Tywin later. So those shouldn't exist at this point. But it's the same location, basically, uh, different venues, but same idea. The the 
play itself, we'll start with that. There's some vibes for the Bravosi play we got in Game of Thrones, and it's it's more than one call back to Arya, not just with that moment, but when Rainier's like, he thought I was a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, happens to Arya several and times. And later, she has sex with a Stormlander man, a dark-haired yeah, man. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> Which really, Gendry uh, is as well. Good yeah, definitely. Point. Like I said, she's fully in her Arya moment. Very true. Yeah, and she starts the episode at Storm's End as well. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I guess that's setting that up too. And she, but she was excited that like and she she's was excited rude, like, when Arya he, like, too. I was a boy. Yeah, he was like she was she was happy. Like it, it was it, it was being incognito, being not the princess was very. Um, it was very liberating. Yeah, yeah, it was very liberating, but only for a short time because she it was the liberation was. Framed by how naive she is about what's going on, like about what Damon is trying to do. Like if she had really known what was happening, she would have been on guard. She would have maybe, maybe not have gone in the first place. So some of the naivety, some of the naivete is feeding that feeling of liberation. It's really quite dangerous and and problematic for her for reputation and all that. Yeah, I think it's hard to say at what point, but at some point, alcohol starts to feed the liberation too, yep. right? If he's getting her drunk, that's you know. True. Yeah, that's true. They're, they're both drunk there. I yes. mean, to be fair, like. I think like, he was he was drunk as well. He got way drunker after he couldn't perform, which is we'll get to that in a second. So he's watching her during the play. This is really important. He's he stares at her to see her reaction to the crowd booing her because he, he's expecting this. I, I don't think he set this play up, but he knew it was going to happen. He knew what they'd be talking about. I bet he's seen this play before. Yeah, that's a good point. Or he's yeah, like something like that. So this probably isn't like the first time they've ever performed this, right? It's probably a nightly ritual. You're right. Yeah, it's a yeah. nightly exactly like weekly at least shows yeah. like that. You see like plays that run. They run every night for a couple of weeks. This is probably the same kind of thing. So he's she's meant to see that she's unpopular to reinforce the notion that she needs a powerful friend or two, which Damon intends to be himself. Like it was like, well, if you marry me. We can address this sort of thing. <laughs> you know, I can help you handle this there. Are they going to say that with me by your side? Are they going to say, boo, she's too soft with Damon, king of the stepstones at your side? Are they going to call you soft then? I mean, in the play, yeah. Damon was a crybaby. Yeah. So maybe they will. Uh-huh. That's what he expects. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I was going to say that none of the heirs, potential heirs, were presented in particularly positive light. Exactly. But we got the definitive crowd reaction about Rhaenyra. Yeah. Right? Yes. We didn't we saw how the play producers were presenting Damon, but we didn't exactly see how the what the crowd thought of them. Yeah, we yeah. didn't get boos or, or or leers or any sort of reaction. They may have but, also got But you booed. can imagine <laughs> Right. You can imagine that that, that the the people put on a play want to please the crowd and if they've got him up on stage like a crybaby, they're probably the crowd probably is at least would enjoy mocking him, right? Yes. At least it would be fun. And Damon maybe is a little thicker skinned to not be affected by it like she was. Maybe it was at first. Even. Yeah, I think maybe he was at first. That, yeah. That might even be part of what pushed him to go off and, you know, fight a battle. He needs, he needed to go prove himself. He might've felt that more than she does if he's seen this type of public reaction before. Yeah. And he cares about how he's seen his pride is really important. So maybe he, you know, understands some of this, but yeah, he also does care on some level, but, but mostly as to how it helps his goal, I think. Another example of perception and truth, you know, both being, you know, I think that, I think actually Vissara said truth doesn't matter at all. Perception is what matters, which 
I don't exactly going a little agree, too far. but I do agree yeah. that, yeah, perception is on par with importance to truth. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some times where the truth matters more than the perception, but he's right that perception can even outweigh truth. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the brothel itself. Fascinating, unusual scene directed by a woman, and we get a woman's gaze. It's a, a great example of why some people argue, oh, why choose, why base the writer's room on gender or diversity? Just pick the best writers. This is why. This is why. Best doesn't always mean... I mean, best. The, the definition of best in a group includes variety. Variety and diversity are the same thing. Diversity is a subset of variety. Variety is usually applied to things, diversity to people, but it's the same thing. Yeah, different I think, people I think film that, things different ways. Yeah, I think if people, I think if people couched it in the term of we need variety in writers' rooms, people would be less up in arms about it because yeah. they would be like, yeah, we don't want this monolith of opinion and experience and something that's trying to reflect the the wide breadth of all of the human experience. Right. Yeah. And if like if this director shot every single episode, it would we would get like, okay, we've seen this before. So yeah. that's that. It's not like we want all of this. Yes. But this should have been part of. The original Game of Thrones. There was only four episodes, if I remember rightly, directed by women. And that was early 70, on, too. Yeah, out of the 70-some episodes that were total, which is like, that's yeah. not even trying to be balanced, you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, come on. Yeah, so. and so this is Claire Kilner, who did an amazing job. Uh, oops. Uh, this was Claire Kilner, who did uh, an amazing job, and she will be directing some future episodes Five as and well. nine. The next one and the second to last. Yeah, so, so uh, we'll, we'll get more of her perspective. And if you watch the behind the scenes, she talked a lot about some of what she brought to the table as a director. Things like, uh, some of it doesn't have to do with what we're talking about here with the female gaze at all, but things like the storm's end being windy. She wanted to make sure that the, like, there was, there was, there were fans and wind was going so that it added this, like, sense of life and, uh, for, for the actors. So things like that are something that a director might bring to the experience for context or in more, speaking more specifically to, um, the brothel scene, things like how the camera lingers. That, like, if you're, Or doesn't like, linger. Or doesn't linger, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> that's kind of where you can see the difference between the male and female gaze. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I honestly yeah. challenge you, go find a brothel scene in Game of Thrones and just compare just how the women are on, on their as objects to this, where you're just seeing people kind of just having experiencing a, yeah, it. So, like, yeah, having yeah. a time. Like, it just feels so much more real and sexy really despite it being like like dark and uh dangerous thing that rainier is doing it the game of thrones one just just feel kind of sleazy and gross compared to it yeah this isn't like this one seemed yeah, it's like people were more staring. like a celebration yeah. and mm -hmm. people were participating yeah rather than it was happening to them yes exactly you know, yeah. it's yeah, like what damon's describing he's like this is for pleasure this is you should have a good time this isn't like yeah there's there's this isn't like people being exploited this isn't people being forced like some people aren't having a bad time so other people can have a good time everyone's having a good time yeah exactly yeah and, and, and the lingering gaze thing is really interesting to me i hadn't thought about that a whole lot but it, it makes so much sense because that is true like you ever go to like a party it's <laughs> <laughs> just kind of a a general difference in how obviously there's exceptions not all men and women are the same like this but men tend to fo be more focused on certain things it's an old stereotype right men are focused on one thing like over focused on one thing and that's that's true for where your 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 eyes fall as well and where your where your gaze falls yeah exactly so a scene in game of thrones might have might have started at like the bottom of the woman and 
followed her all the way up so like you see her fully nude and see the tits and all that whereas this is just these are people that are in this experience let's film what's happening and yeah. not like focus in on how sexy this person is nudity is there but it's not like look at this it's not the center of it it's it's there it's not the the thing where the camera's centered on yeah uh, we might need some additional takes out there to hear ways this is described really well but i, th- I think we've gotten the gist of it pretty well yeah so the, like you said as well Shea, earlier that um or maybe it was sean mentioned that this was something that viserys and damon did when they were younger mm-hmm. and for them there was no consequences really they're like yeah we can just do this and damon's will either a combination of willfully ignoring the gender difference here or using that to get Rhaenyra in trouble for his own ends and it just doesn't work the way he wants to i appreciated that viserys wasn't a full hypocrite about this Mm -hmm. we know that he went to the street of silk himself when he first hears about rhaenyra doing this he isn't just like oh that's terrible she's disherited he's like oh okay like fair enough yeah just the being there wasn't a problem it was it was the fact that she like was hooking up with her uncle uncle specifically and maybe if it had been clear that she had just been fully hooking up in general but or that that was known but he wasn't just completely opposed to his daughter being in a sex sexual place yeah just going out drinking he's like well what's the big deal there it's like oh it wasn't just drinking oh but okay. yeah as we <laughs> said it seems that damon and this is something i i, I want to have like a long chat about and get the chat's per, um, perspective on is how much damon wanted this knowledge to get out there i think he wanted to get out there but i don't think he told mazaria to go tell otto yeah i don't think he connected and, with her at all i think that this was their first reconnection and I, but I totally agree with you that he wanted them. Because, yeah, like you said, this is the perfect image. He's pulling her hat off. Like, like he w- takes, if you didn't catch her... this, he takes her hat off as soon as they enter the brothel. Yeah, and, and she has such distinct hair that has to be on purpose. He's like, you are going to get noticed, you know, and so will I, because my hat's already off. <laughs> like, yeah, so uh, everybody knows who I am. <laughs> everybody knows who you are, you know. So, yeah, I think that is the damning thing. I don't think that there's a setup to, to point to Damon having Mazaria go to auto but he knew that there were people watching yeah here and it would get out yeah he didn't know who was watching but he knew someone would yeah yeah i i want to i want to talk about this but i want to back up to one other point real quick damon was definitely hypocritical in the earlier scene when i mean maybe he's pretending to not get it but he uh is pretending to not get it when he's talking to renera about like, ah, just get married. Then you can do whatever you want. She's like, you can do whatever you want, but not a woman. Once a woman gets married, she's got to pop out babies. It's different for you. And Damon either didn't get that or d- pretended to not get that. Yeah. So I do want to point out his hypocrisy as far as that goes. Uh, Agreed. I do think, I, I was thinking about this a lot, and I realized probably like the third time I watched it, when Damon is like hungover, they even presented his vision in his like tunnel. Did you yeah, catch that, that was right? Neat. When he's when he's like him? slumped on the, yeah. yeah. Before they were even carrying him, when he was talking to Mazzaria, oh, okay. she was like, this would cut to the fog, and he just dumped it out. He's definitely <laughs> Who turns down sober. a hangover drink? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in this moment of him being drunk and tired and bewildered and dragged into court and a knife at his throat, and he rattles off this perfect plan for how to handle the inheritance and the throne... You think he came up with that then yeah, he, and not when he was sober yeah. ahead of time, drawing a map for Rhaenyra and providing her clothes, brought her in, took his hat off and her hat. I, to, the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah, obviously 
he had this set up. Yeah, that you're right. This was all like a plan. That's a really good thing to draw attention to. Is I, I said, is he was surprisingly eloquent for someone that just had the world's worst bender, and <laughs> you nailed it. I think is because all of that was planned. He had all his thoughts plan uh, straight in his head. Yeah. He didn't have to make those words up. He had already planned to say them or something like them. Yeah, he, he probably planned it to go a little differently. He definitely right? didn't uh, plan to have erectile dysfunction. That was not part of the plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he planned for a spy to report it to Otto or the king or whoever. But I do think he expected word to get out. Yeah. Like, I think he was trying to make sure word got I out. Think, yeah, he wanted and, her to uh, be a little bit sullied so that he could make his case. Hey, I you should just marry us to each other. Yeah. And he might have been happy to have gotten her pregnant right then and there. It turned oh, out I not agree. to be able to. Totally but, agree. But it, say he had, like, would that have solidified the plan? If she you was know, pregnant like, with then, Damon's child, then Viserys, Viserys would have been forced might, to. Might potentially. be like, all right, yeah. we got to hush hush, just do this, pretend like y'all, yeah. Like it was like, yeah. And again, remembering back to the moment when he told her he came back for home, the comforts of home, I think he was talking about her. I, I think he might have had all this planned out before he even came back. Yeah. I'm not sure, but that's. I think it's reasonable to think that that might even be the reason he came back. He might have pieced this together. He's like, all right, I've done what I need in the Stepstones. Corliss has his own agenda. I got my agenda. I'm going back to make my play for the throne. So we now have had twice where Damon has had problems with his manhood, <laughs> so to speak. The first time it was just like an interesting thing to happen. Like, oh, wow, he's got physical stress and it's rounding out his character. I didn't really consider that it would come back around and be a plot point again. It's a really, really interesting way to it's a really interesting attribute for such a like hyper masculine, (laughs) aggressive character to have, because especially because in the behind the scenes, they say it's guilt. He knows what he's doing is wrong. And that is part of why he can't get it up. And that's very interesting. He does have some sense of what's right and wrong that he just tends to ignore, but he's ignoring something that's so strong within him that it's having a physical manifestation. I can't help but wonder if it's even deeper within than what they're letting on in the behind the scenes too. Cause I remember theorizing earlier on because I felt like if you remember, I, I felt like Rhaenyra was kind of taken aback when she's like, wait, she's pregnant. You, she, she seems surprised at the <laughs> yeah, idea yeah. he could have, it made me wonder if he had confided in her, that he might have some problem. I don't Maybe think he did. Observed it. I don't think David uh, would have, would have confided that information and in just about. Yeah. Man, but uh, it, probably not, but it is but, noteworthy. Uh, that, but if he did, yeah. she might be the one, you know, uh, it is noteworthy and, that Damon has a wife and has apparently been up and down the street of silk many times and yeah. has never had a child. Okay, and and it was brought and aside from like two scenes of seeing him not being able to finish it's come up more than once per episode the fact that he doesn't have a kid or hasn't gotten someone pregnant or has had sex without it i feel like they're like making a point of it in every episode in one way or another doesn't necessarily mean he can't have kids no matter what but it seems to be if that turns out to be the case, it won't be a big shocker, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they've totally. been saying this the whole time, you know. You're right, you're right. Okay, so let's take a little halfway point here. We've got a couple of questions here. Nancy Grossman's Super Chat says, Viserys is a good king in this episode. After the initial shock slash denial with Otto, he takes charge of the marriage question as the king, leading Rainier into claiming her role as heir to marry Lenor. He also acts as king to have the maester do room service tea for Rainier, and he dismisses Otto 
despite his conflict over. She doesn't say the part about Otto. I added that. But and I want to add something here, too. Yeah. Um, we also got a, a question from Endo Man who said, Allison sent the tea, and I wanted to have a little chat about the idea of this tea. Because absolutely, it did cross my mind when I watched the episode and the maester brought it. He says, the king brought this for you. But I was like, well, really anyone could have done that and be like any literally anyone including just melos himself and claim the king's yeah and uh, so (laughs) i was very suspicious of this so i'd love to have a chat about this okay let's talk about the tea i I think yeah it is a really meaningful moment because again it gets into choice again it it calls back other times for people i'm assuming this is tansy tea if it's not no big deal tansy is the same basic point because tansy tea came up several times in the game of thrones of course lysa was tricked into taking it and so was jane westerling so we have two different women who were forced to have abortions that did not want to have abortions, where this one, she's given the choice. Not only is she given the choice, but she's given the complete anonymity about it. Melos notably walks out of the room, doesn't say, like, you have to take this. He's like, this is from your father. This is an insurance policy, basically. And then he leaves. It's like, it's her choice. And then the audience doesn't actually see whether she takes it or not. The episode ends with her staring at it like, oh, and it's such a great conundrum because we know she didn't sleep with Damon, but she did sleep with Kristen Cole. So she has a very good reason to drink it. Doesn't mean she did, but it's it just provides a lot of different angles here. And yeah. yeah think about really the perception versus the truth. If she doesn't drink it yeah. and has a kid, uh, you know, I don't know where this is going, but that would be a, a way it could go for sure. Yep. Yeah. And it's a yeah. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, I lean towards, yes, Viserys did order this. I think that he, I, I think it's significant to Rhaenyra because it's like, oh, your father didn't really, really believe you. Like, he was willing to just sweep it under the rug for you. So I think that has greater significance to me than the idea of, like, Otto or Melos or someone trying to, like, trick rainy you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i think that has greater significance within the story within the plot within the character dynamics the idea that viserys was still willing to stand by rainiera but he didn't really believe her when she lied to him there yep. or not didn't believe her enough like that means more to me and i think and since allison did believe her and was such a crucial part of arguing to her fa- to her husband that that her trust in rainiera matters too which of course backfires a bit getting auto fired but and of course Rainier was lying to her and she believed the lie so if alice given that allison seems to have genuinely believed Rainier, i'm not sure that she would have sent the tea yeah and i think allison is going to find out that she was wrong to believe Rainier. yeah probably um like she'll find out she'll find out the truth about Kristen, or will something will happen there to where she'll feel she'll feel particularly betrayed for good reason because she was lied to and like Allison put her honor her word on the line for Rhaenyra right and remember here. she didn't just swear in front of the heart tree which she may not have even been thinking about but she said I swear on my mother's grave yeah he didn't touch me that was my mother's memory, my mother's memory. memory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure yeah, yeah. So that's pretty, pretty big. Much was something that Allison would take very seriously. Allison is a follower of rules. She believes in like homages and oaths. She's like a that. faithful that girl. Yeah, she's like... a faithful girl. So she would be very mm-hmm. disappointed by this. Like she, this is her first time getting angry. I think, like, like <laughs> really angry. Like she yeah. really doesn't like this behavior. Like this, this going out and fornicating. She's more proper, right? She <laughs> look at that face. <laughs> that is judging that is judging oh, that's why i like her so much yeah. as an actor she does that so well like she goes from like it's also worth noting 
I, I feel like they even made a point in the episode when she's off having fun in the street. Yeah. Allison's there with the crying baby. Like she's taking her responsibility seriously. Yeah, Allison's a baby raising suck. a baby. She's, I mean, Allison is, is yeah. cleaning an older man of his wounds. His Talk about yes. duty. Yep. Like, yeah, that was such a powerful yep. moment. Yeah, she's okay. So while Damon they, is saying sex is for pleasure, it's interspersed with her having sex with her husband. And it's very not pleasurable. Not like, he's got pleasurable, all those yeah. all those bruises on his back. And, but like you said, but then she goes and like helps him bathe to make sure he's comforted and like she's yeah she's really very good <laughs> so <Yeah>. far <laughs> and they also present her like in like behind bars like the, yes. the, the, the windows are sort yeah. of like a, a prison cell almost i think they're really like playing up this difference between what her life and what Renera's is like so i think it adds to like her frustration it's like look everything i'm doing like you have it better than me and you're still complaining and running around and being foolish. Like, come yeah. on, dude. You get to choose a husband, and I, I didn't yeah. get to choose. Remember that? And there's that really moment when they, they start to have their – it's really nice to see their friendship come back around. Like, I, I didn't expect to see that happen. It makes sense that it did, though, given the circumstances. I thought it was really well done. She's saying – she has that moment where she says, yeah, like, I just – I don't want to – be trapped in a castle just having kids you know and allison's like uh and yeah, realizes like, what she said i can't she's imagine like, yeah. she's like sorry she like whispers sorry like it was yeah. a very heartfelt moment she's like, yeah, see, sorry, where she's just... a, a great connection to last episode where allison accidentally hurts rainier's feelings by bringing up you know how easy childbirth was yeah, when, when rainier lost point. her mother in childbirth and of course yeah. allison didn't clock it enough to say anything or apologize but rainiera did have that realization <laughs> the servants noticed they were like okay yeah, yeah i was <laughs> i was being hopeful in that moment too because i was right off them having hugged uh, visaris and damon having hugged and then rainiera catches herself saying something inappropriate to, about you know her life versus allison's and then also realizes right after that that her dad's probably mad at her coming back early too. You know, yeah. she's kind of yes, like self-reflecting, realizing the mistakes, confiding in Allison about it. Like I was so hopeful with all that, but it still falls apart. But, but I, what was I going to say? I wanted to say about the, what were we talking about? We were talking about the idea of, Allison of uh, and the moon tea of, of the, the general. Stuff. Yeah. The tea. I, I think that, uh, the, we really have to trust this, this maester Melos. I, I think that the nature of the time jumps, they're, they're kind of like moving forward through a lot of big moments, kind of getting to the biggest moment. Yeah. And so it makes sense. They're not getting into the minutia of every side character. But what that means to me on a sort of a meta level is that we kind of have to trust this maester. He, I, I assume maybe he's conniving with, with, with Otto. I even wondered for the first couple episodes, if he was purposefully not treating Viserys' wounds properly or something, yeah, we maybe that's about that still a possibility. But they haven't really gotten into it. So I just have to default right now that he's just, he is what he seems to be, you yeah. know, which means he probably did just bring the medicine from the king. That, that's my default. I can imagine learning something different over time. I could so, definitely see it coming from someone else, but I do think the king actually does make the most sense, too. Yeah, I think it makes the most sense. Um, I, that, but that doesn't mean that Mellows can't be someone to have loose lips. Yep. To say, hey, I, I yeah, even accidentally, even accidentally or on Otto. purpose. Yeah, yeah like I if mean... he brings that up to someone, be like, well, the the what the fallout was that I brought her moon tea. So now, I was wondering if anyone was watching them, Kristen and Rainier together, because they kept showing yeah. the camera from behind the walls, like through as if someone was peeking in on them. And I was like, for a second, I was like, is Damon watching? Like, no, Damon is passed out drunk. He can't <laughs> be watching anything. But but if some servant was, mm -hmm. and it gets back to Allison or Otto. Yep. And it, you know, yeah, it might not that it, it might have been too spoilery 
for them to show us someone see it at that moment. Yeah. But if it does come up later, once again, I think they've set the stage for it to have been known, for it to have been witnessed. Mm-hmm. Um, Agree. I, I even said the same, same thing earlier. I thought that it might be an error uh, uh, of just, uh, even if only lacking proactive proactiveness uh, i don't know how to say it right but like of corliss to not realize that the king was meeting with allison to the point that they got married mm. uh, you know i feel like there was like a, a the potential for networking information is there and everyone's not taking advantage of it but i feel like now that we see Otto is and maybe Masaria also and it they're featuring these servants the potential for people having knowledge that you wouldn't assume is greater now than it was before yeah that's uh, true I wanted to make one more point about the king sending that tea. Sure. I, I think it is, even if he didn't trust her enough uh, about telling the truth that he still wanted to send the tea, it kind of makes sense. I think it's good for him to give her an out. It makes like, uh, just in general, just think about the idea, whether you're talking about like a seven-year-old kid or a 17-year-old kid or a 27-year-old adult, when you're in trouble and you realize, okay, did you do X? And you could just say, no, I'm like, oh, okay, and everything's okay. But if you say yes, <gasps> you get in so much trouble. It's so easy to avoid so much trouble by just telling a lie. It makes sense that people do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think I think a father would understand that the trouble that his daughter's facing, she would lie about it. Of course she would lie about it. And he, he didn't would almost really ask It's not either. so much that he doesn't trust her. Right, yeah. It's not exactly that he doesn't trust her. It's that it makes sense that someone would lie about yeah. this. And so... He's giving her an out. Like, if you did lie, take this medicine. You don't have to admit it to me or the realm or whatever. But if you did, here's your out. Yeah. So, I, I, once again, I think it makes sense for it to be him. Maybe even too wise of a play for him. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> someone advising him to do it. Well, that's yeah, that's part of why um, Nancy Gross saying Viserys was a good king this episode. I was like, yeah, like, he's done a lot of bad things. But for the most part, I have to agree. Like, his decision-making in isolation in this episode was good. His his reactions and stuff, yeah, I mean, pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, a lot like like he said, Jaharis would have disinherited you. Yeah, he was a better yeah, king a than Jaharis in that moment. Yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah, Jaharis didn't handle <laughs> better his father. <laughs> Jaharis handled a lot of other things better than Viserys, but not his not his own family. I don't think. <laughs> Cozy Tory sends a super chat from Canada. Says this episode felt the most female focused, especially with the juxtapositions. What did you think of the parallel with Sir Kristen and Alicent doing their duty to the crown? I didn't catch this at first, but I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I, both I would... of them sort of forced to sleep with the royal that wants it, and they yeah. they lightly object, but. Ultimately, they're like, uh, I can't really say no. Yeah. I think this is a good time for me to go on the record and say Kristen could not consent to this. I do think that Kristen is more attracted to Rhaenyra than Alicent <laughs> is attracted to Viserys. Yes. But the power and balance here is so great. Mm-hmm. And when you rewatch it, Kristen is so clearly conflicted. He is so clearly torn up about this. The way he, he would, stares at his cloak, he's folding it nicely. Yeah. Putting it down. Oh, yeah. He would never it. have chosen to do this. He knew he couldn't. He just couldn't find a way to say no. I, I, I get it. I understand it. I relate to it. I feel I just feel really bad for Kristen here. I don't like I think that his reaction long term to this could be what ma- sours me on him. <laughs> like if if he is so torn up by this that he acts out and does terrible things. Or gets a big head. Who knows? What, yeah, who knows, yeah, who knows happen, but, but yeah. my point is that at this moment, I just feel really bad for Kristen, and I don't really blame Rhaenyra because I don't think she realizes that she has such power over him. Like, she just doesn't realize that. She's yep. like, oh, cute boy. I'm all turned on from going out with my uncle. And Damon was just like, 
showing her all this wanton like do what you want you know have sex for pleasure yeah, all this David, other like, stuff you know? yeah that's like that's what she has to go off of is her uncle taking her to a brothel to like, ha- like to have his way with her like, so like, like she's like of course she's gonna go back and take that message to heart but no it doesn't excuse it and so yeah. as much as i I, I don't think Rainier is terrible for doing this, but I don't think it's a laudable thing or like it's a you go a girl thing. thing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it was a messed up thing that she did. I, I think that it's more okay. It's more, it's more understandable for the teenager to make this sort of mistake than the, I don't know how I, Damon's got to be 35 yeah, or Damon, 40. Yeah. But Kristen is know, young too. So, I would also like to know. Right, Kristen is so. maybe max 25, maybe more like 22, but he's only a little, he's a young kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I, my default is I agree with you, and I think it would be more apparent to audiences if the genders were swapped. Yes, right? absolutely. It, everyone would be like, whoa, absolutely. you shouldn't do this to her. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you appreciate but that. I, it's I, like I, you're showing these power dynamics yeah. are not entirely based on gender. They, I mean, they obviously are a yeah. lot of times, but the but it's mostly about power. I, I will say that, I well, again, it took a third watch, but I started to, to, to wonder if they were trying to demonstrate that Kristen was okay with this in the end. Cause they took a lot of time showing him like take her boots off and they're kind of giggling together. And he might, he still was pressured into it from the beginning, but he seemed okay with it by the end, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know. But not afterwards. He couldn't look her in the eye. eye Yeah. Right. He felt awkward. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. It's like, Yeah. yeah, he is attracted to her. But that's not enough to for him to have really consented and to be fully in this and to not be racked with guilt yeah. to a point that it like yeah. I mean like this is like go, this could get him killed. Yeah, this could ruin his fear. life. Yeah, like like execution worthy. Yeah, it's it's not just like oh my honor. It's like oh my life. So let's let's could tie up. Not doing it gotten him killed. Yes, like, I, it could have. Turn on him? He doesn't yeah. know like, that. He knows her pretty yeah. well. Though. He knows her pretty well. I think he probably could have been safe to know. Like I'm not gonna do that. And she and like if I say no, she's not gonna order my execution. But he might think that she's like capricious or or it would be embarrassed enough that she might get him like sent to the wall for impropriety like, like say, she he might did touch me yeah, yeah like, like he does like uh, yeah, yeah she he might he doesn't know that well like i think that he might be smart enough to realize oh like she's a royal princess Th- things are different for them i can't rest easy yeah and as well i'd say that there's this there's a history going on here that we i put this in the synopsis but i'll, I'll explain it here as well the guy that Kristen Cole replaced was Ryan Redwine. He was really, really on the up and up, like a, one of the most dominant and virtuous Kingsguard Honorable. that had been around. Remember this guy, the guy that uh, died that Cole took his place. So Westerling is now Lord Commander in his place. But during Redwine's regime as Lord Commander, during his run, he discovered one of the Kingsguard had three wives and 16 children that was L- lucamore the lusty lucamore strong by the way mm. so from that family from the strong family and unknown relation to lionel and uh, harwin directly well lionel's the one who matters the master of laws but uh, he was discovered gelded sent to the wall so <laughs> this and Kristen took ryan's place the guy that like was virtuous and and exposed this guy and did the right thing based on the Kingsguard rules. So if Kristen Cole grew up in the shadow of Ryan Redwine being like the Barristan Selmy of this time, so he's 
another thing that he's going to be conflicted about is he is not living up to the ideals of a, of a Kingsguard or a true knight or the people that he grew up to idolize, presumably. Or at least other boys his age would have been idolizing. <laughs> a quick question, by the way. Do you guys think that Damon and Harwin recognize each other in the streets? No. I think for sure. I think Harwin recognized Damon. Yeah, Harwin knew who Damon sure. was. But Damon um, doesn't know who Harwin is because Harwin wasn't on the Gold Cloaks when they were formed. That's what he was added afterwards so assuming Damon's that's the same in show the... canon i guess yeah. I, I have to always couch things that like you know that's the case in the books but yeah. technically it could be different name has been gone for years and before that might not have been that guy might not have been in his radar anyway yeah okay. yeah pretty sure but no but yes harwin is now a captain in the gold cloaks um but not the commander it, or anything regardless it was another moment like they showed us that on purpose is he a witness to Renera haven't been out with Damon. Is that you know? Yes, I don't know but exactly it doesn't matter because they, they found that, out they did anyway. Show us yeah, that's why it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Either way, they found out. Like there's well, nothing he matter. found out. There's nothing he found out that no one else knows. But I think it matters because not everyone knows, but Harwin himself knows, and yeah, Harwin he knows has, personally. He knows it's not personally. He knows exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah, well, so exactly, it's very relevant in that sense, especially yeah. when you consider that yeah. Harwin is the son of Lionel Strong and the brother of Laurie. Like he's got family members that maybe Harwin is is no snitch at all, and he doesn't say a damn thing to anyone. But maybe he brings it up to his dad or something. Potentially, like they might, they might yeah. share information. So that is definitely something to think about for later. Uh, maybe just a reminder, also that like they're being noticed. Like they're not going to get away with this, if you will. Sure. You know? uh, so speaking of tea, La Terra Incognita wants to know what you're drinking, Sean. Oh, um, this is the V8 blueberry something, blue, some kind of blueberry flavored V8 with mango Mountain Dew. And uh, raspberry sparkling. All right. That's great. <laughs> That's an interesting combo today. There was a funny moment as well. Lafrenic says, even if no one was in the room with them to see Kristen's absence from his post would raise suspicion. Yeah, if anyone had come by and be like, hey, where's Kristen? But there was a, but I guess that just didn't happen. And as well, that was pretty funny, though, when she returns to the room and he's like, how did you? Yeah, yeah, what? How did you? <laughs> I thought. Are you so, okay? so he now knows there are secret passageways. Yes, that's true. I don't know how relevant that is, but he's now aware that there's a, pa- a way into her room and a way out of her room from within. So that. Although apparently she had, like, apparently she couldn't find her way to get back in her room that way. Yeah, that was she... my thought when she left, because I was like, is she just going to leave it open? <laughs> how does she get back in? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, she's just going to walk through, through the, the front, front door. <laughs> but I expect, I, 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 I didn't expect that, I yeah. suppose. You know, something just occurred to me is when this, I assume this knowledge is going to spread somewhat about her and her brother in a brothel. Her uncle. Kristen. Yeah, her uncle. Kristen's going to piece together. That must have been when it was. That must be yeah. how she got there. Oh, yeah. And other people mm-hmm. might not believe it, but Kristen's going to be like, well, I know that she was out that night and she Good came point. back and yeah. wanted to sleep with me and maybe she <laughs> tasted like alcohol on her breath or like you know whatever other things that like it was pretty damning for him and again we know Rhaenyra did not have sex with Damon but he, Kristen might literally think oh Rhaenyra had sex with someone else and then came and had sex with me right after that <laughs> yeah. like he might not believe her for good reason yeah. like it Who makes sense how he'd react to that yeah yeah or he might, or he might find out the only reason she slept with him is because Damon wouldn't. Yeah, it could go that way too. Uh, so there's a couple different ways for that to go. We'll have to wait and see. All right, let's talk about Allison and Viserys. Them talking together. We've already discussed her uncomfortability and her duty and how she shines with being uh, a wife. The baby, by the way, is Helena. That wasn't stated, but that is her name. 
She's the yeah, looks like a little girl one. baby. Does look like and, a little girl, you know, like as much Aww. as babies do. But <laughs> I just like they really did a good job of casting a very large baby. That is a big face because baby. like that the baby looks kid. so big next to Allison. It really emphasized when I was watching that like this is a baby raising a baby. Like I mean, you see <laughs> Rhaenyra go out as like she's just a young girl, and like that's what the shoot that's the boat that Allison should have been in, and instead she's on her second child. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. Her Possibly life. another one on the way. If yeah, she, like or, I mean, he, again, he wants to make another child. Kristen says it to Rhaenyra that many people would do anything to be in her shoes, yeah. and that's true for Allison still. But I wouldn't want to be in her shoes yeah. if I lived in the world. Yeah, me neither. I'd take my chances elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I would like. I would rather be in Mazaria's shoes than Allison's. Yeah. You know, like her, she has more freedoms, even if things, whoops, are dangerous for her. So that is super interesting. I love how Allison is able to help Viserys see things clearly, even though she's wrong about Rhaenyra, given she was lied to and believed her. But I, I like the way they worked through all that and how. She just like she did with the stepstone situation and how helping her brother or helping his brother was more important than his pride. It's a similar thing here. It's like helping your brother. It's the opposite. It's like getting rid of him is what's necessary. You know, that's what we need to do. If you believe your daughter, well, you got to remove this bad influence. If, if you believe Rainier, that means Damon lied. You can't believe them both. Their stories conflict. So this guy's the one that's been the problem, the one that's been dishonest. So he's the bad influence. So you gotta, he's got to go. And that, it fits. <laughs> it really does fit. Uh, so let's see. We talked about Rainier and Kristen. There's a few more details here. One other thing I wanted to point out is that we're supposed to get vibes to Aerys Okart and Arianne and Marcella here. where The Arianne, Soiled Knight. Soiled Knight chapter where Arianne seduces Aerys Okart in order to who, to be to clear, support her in, in bringing Marcella to the throne. Yes, to be clear, for our uh, show-only viewers, um, Ariane Martell, uh, Doran Martell's daughter in the books, uh, seduces a Kingsguard knight, Aerys Okart, and uh, he's not too happy about it, but he kind of, you know, he it's hard to say no. He himself, kind of, yeah. like, maybe like Kristen. So, he's, he just um, he kind of falls for her, and who knows if that's what's going to happen with Kristen. But in that chapter... Ari Zokart thinks about Kristen Cole. <laughs> yes. So don't go reread that Who chapter unless you want to be spoiled <laughs> because obviously there's the whole picture of Kristen Cole by that point. His whole life has happened. So <laughs> Who doesn't think of Kristen Cole when they're getting busy in bed after all? <laughs> like, oh, let me think about the sexiest Kingsguard knight in all the land. Yeah. And like, uh, like Rhaenyra, uh, um, Ariane's rather convincing. You know, he's like, uh, this is a hard, this is a very difficult woman to turn down. She's rather attractive. So yeah, it's part, yeah, it's part of the Yeah, Ariane does more of a traditional seduction, whereas Rhaenyra's got the like teen kid like playing, you know, like, let me take your hat from you. Ha ha yeah, ha. You know, like with the helmet thing. Yeah. It was very relatable. I was like, shout out to like the, the blocking and the, however they um, plotted out how Rhaenyra would 
get get Kristen in bed with her. They like, really emphasized her very, youth there. Yeah, it was yeah. a very playful way that she did it. It was not a seduction. It, it was uh, yeah, like look, she's just too young for that. Like she yeah. wasn't she, where where did she learn all that? Like it yeah. was more like teasing. Yeah, it was yeah. teasing exactly. Playful yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, which also like plays into like I mean, think about when it was her and Damon. Rhaenyra was trying to be a little bit of that kind of play, like when she's like trying to like kiss him back and like. She had that vibe as well that she was playful with it. The other really relevant power dynamic here that's a parallel is Mazaria and Damon and how Damon used Mazaria like as a tool, but without realizing how much danger he was putting her in. He's like, I'm just going to lie about you being pregnant and, and all that. And she's like, that's no small lie. They could kill me for that. And same thing. He's just doing what he's doing and using people and not really considering the consequences. That's kind of what Rainier has done with Kristen here is not really consider how much danger he's put her or she's put him in. Yeah. Because the consequences for her will be a lot milder than just like for Damon. He stole Dragonstone and tried to usurp and all he got was, you know, a slap on the wrist. And Missouri's like, yeah, and you knew that's all you would get too. But for me, I could be killed. I could be killed because they want to punish you. <laughs> and the same thing could happen with Kristen. So, yeah. Yeah. Rhaenyra gets this fun night. Kristen gets guilt for the rest of his life and potential uh, beheading. Which may not be a very long life or, yeah. or if it's the wall or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So let's talk about Mazaria, though, with that as a segue to her. Super interesting. This is, this, this is a character that's been a bit changed from the books. Not Maybe not to this point so much, but some of how she gets to where she is is a little different, which could maybe indicate more changes are to come. She has her new name, the White Worm. It's pretty fitting with her uh, white dress. That very distinctive look she has. Yeah. He goes off and gets extra drunk after can't, not being able to get it up. And it's like Mazzari's keeping track of him, but also spying on him. She keeps him from... Yes, she gives look, him a place to rest, but yeah. she's also reporting on him. You yeah, know? so let's let's go into that real quick. I have some pictures to outline for you here. First of all, here, uh, um, well, first, first screenshot. Okay, here, this is at the brothel. This is Rhaenyra when she leaves. And down there, they pan over to this young child who then gets up and runs off. Next, we see he has come to see Otto where he says... Real quick, real quick. Yeah. I just got to say, I feel like that young boy might have done more spying in that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he saw a lot of stuff there. Um, but yeah, so this young kid, um, we'll, we'll call him the little worm. How's that? Little worm, like Barry's little, little, little birds. We'll yeah, call him little using worms. children as spies. Very yeah. reminiscent. So of um, yeah. anyway, so this kid goes to see Otto, and that's where we get the line where he says a message from the the white worm. And of course, we hadn't heard her referred to that in world. They haven't explained why she's called that, but yes, Lady Misery Mazaria goes by the White Worm. And then we next in the very next scene, we see this same kid come and bring coin, bring money to Mazaria, making it very clear the that connection, yeah. the the connection there. Um, for anyone who was wondering about the um, how people piece that together, so Otto is employing a spymaster. Finally, we have what we've what's been missing a bit, but like we said, it backfires. The fact that he was spying on Rhaenyra gets him kicked out, but Mazaria is untouched by that. She suffers no consequences from Otto being dismissed, except for that she no longer has someone buying her secrets. That won't last. Someone's going to pick this up. She's going to start selling these secrets to someone else. Who I don't know, but think about the fact that Damon's been kicked out too. So it probably won't be him either. And that might be like the first person you think of, but without her around, then 
who might it be? Whoever the new hand is. The fact that she was working with Otto was very surprising to us because in in, in book that's not that's not in the books at all. So we we're like, oh, it makes sense, especially given it's over so quickly. But we were all like, oh, huh? How about that? Yeah. So like you picture, Damon's been gone for three years. Maybe it takes a year for Mazzari to be like, okay, I got to pick myself up and do my own thing. Oh, Otto is the hand. Let me make this connection. Like, there's plenty of time for. Mazaria and Otto to connect and for her to start feeding him information. And as Mazaria says, she realized that the skin trade was not the most profitable or best long-term trade for her yeah. to be in. Also, Otto might have actively been looking for information or spies yes. or whatever. Too. Yes. So it's more likely to happen when both sides are looking for it. But no, I, but I do imagine that now that Otto is not the hand, whoever the new hand is, Mazaria will reach out and say, hey, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So I imagine Mazaria will have a new master, as it were, a new person that she's reporting to. Because yeah, we're about to get a new hand. And yeah, that, that's whoever that will be. It makes sense that that person could be the, the, the connection point here. Do you have a thought on who the hand might be, Sean? Do you, are, there, are there any contenders you think that the Viserys might name? Is it gonna, he's going to call Damon back, finally? Finally, <laughs> he's going to be hand? <laughs> Damon, he can be hand. Not My best guess is uh, uh, strong. I... Lionel Strong. Lionel Strong. Lionel Strong. That's the one that's good advice. Yeah. The master of laws. That's who I'm hoping for. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get introduced to a whole new character or if he doesn't even pick one, at least not right away. I can see it. Yeah, given the way Lionel's behaved, he does seem like a good choice, doesn't he? That's what he needs to do. That would be, if he was being, if he was truly honoring his heir. Rhaenyra might be the hand because that I like he said his father Balon when he was the heir was named hand it's not a, an abnormal it's in fact very normal for them to honor and give their heir responsibilities and like Balon's that. namesake Baylor Breakspear was hand remember <laughs> when he died in Duncan Egg and Baylor Balon's older brother Aemon who was heir before Balon was also hand so, <laughs> until he was killed realistically <laughs> if Viserys was gonna do the right thing I think he would make Rhaenyra hand yeah or at least eventually. Maybe Eventually, not at maybe this not age. Now. He's a little young, but yeah. still. Yeah. I was going to say, how old yeah. were all those yeah, other characters? Yeah. Maybe they got it at 30, not 20. Yeah, they, you're right. Like, they all had kids of their own by then. Yeah, so they were They were point. older. Yeah, it's true. Um, still, though, that is maybe the track that he should consider her on. It doesn't seem like he's preparing her for handship, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, I like if if things were going the way I wanted, she would have a seat at the table. Yes, even if yes, she wasn't yes. a named hand or master of whatever, she would still have a seat at the table, not be serving. They definitely wouldn't be kicking her out for making suggestions like they did. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and see how that went too. Look at the consequences of that moment. They kicked her out to pick a Kingsguard, and she picked the Kingsguard she ended up sleeping with. So yeah, that uh, <laughs> just goes to show they should have kept her in council. That wouldn't have happened, right? <laughs> if they had left her there, then Otto would have picked the political appointment king's guard he wanted mm-hmm. and yeah <laughs> ah backfiring again another yes you're right there were backfire the, uh, plenty of backfiring yeah. examples i missed this question from earlier from dro the gooner it says Littlefinger said that chaos is a ladder is damon purposely trying to start a civil war so that he can claim the throne after the dust settles after said civil war i don't know if he's trying to start a civil war but i do think he definitely was trying to create chaos and benefit from it i still don't think he was able to predict very well how the chaos would go maybe he didn't correctly envision how much of it would blow back on him um maybe he didn't plan it very well he's not as cunning as Littlefinger, that's for sure if he wants to be king then he's gonna need chaos right Mm. if things just go the way they normally would he won't ever get to be king yeah but i don't i don't know if that's actually his motivation at least not his 
consistent motivation. I'm sure there's moments when he wishes he was king, but I don't know if it's like the goal of his life. You know? Yeah, he is mercurial. I think he definitely doesn't always want what he wants on any given day. It changes. So I think that's I think that's probably pretty accurate. Another take here, a question from Stannis Baratheon says, History of Westeros and Ash, can you please talk about your evolving opinion of Damon from when you first read about him in the novellas in Fire and Blood and now the show? Yeah, uh, he's yeah. just so much more fleshed out on the show now. I yeah. mean, he was, he was like, the description, Targaryen Red Viper, really like, said it all. Like, that was, like, obviously it's not specific, but that really was uh, a very concise and accurate description well, of him. Would, it doesn't really fit as well anymore. Now it's like, wow, you're, you're missing so many angles by saying that now. Yeah, I would say that that's, that was like an example of a tell, don't show kind of thing. I felt that Fire and Blood did where they kept telling me and George kept telling us that, oh, Targaryen, Red Viper, oh, he's this or oh, he's that. But I just didn't see it. It wasn't shown to me. I didn't feel it. I I was never a Damon fan, personally. I know that there's a lot of people who eat from Fire and Blood. He captured their attention enough that like there were Damon stands long before House of the Dragon. I was not one of them. After seeing Matt Smith as Damon, there's just so much nuance and vulnerability and complexity to his character. He's got this charisma. I absolutely see it, get it, love it. I Damon isn't great, but I still really like him. And I still feel for him. And I, I, they just did a really good job with Damon for me personally. As yeah. Again, as someone who was pretty meh to anti-Damon going into this show. I am now more pro-Damon. I I thought he would be more like the character that drives the action and maybe not be as interesting himself. Mm -hmm. Because he just does so much. He moves things around. He creates turmoil. And that's enough for a character. But but he's also just really interesting on his own. So yeah, that is... I I have to agree with a lot of what Ashea said. Maybe just couch it slightly differently. Yeah, because I mean, that was talked about a lot with Damon. I, we could bring up the Targaryen Red Viper thing and him being like Oberyn and I love Oberyn Martell. <laughs> and so I was like, what am I missing here that I don't get it? It was kind of like a, a Dark Star level miss for me where I was like, yeah, I get that George wanted to have this sexy bad boy, but it it works for Oberyn and it didn't work for Dark Star and it didn't work for Damon for me at first, but it now works for Damon for me. Well, one thing about Oberyn maybe that wasn't true with Damon at first was Oberyn like really you could tell how much he cared about his family. His burning yeah. ambition was to was to avenge his sister, which is not I mean you could argue some of that is selfless selfish because he's it's his own desire for revenge. His sister doesn't care. She's dead. But still, he's not doing it for himself, arguably, whereas Damon, pretty much everything Damon does is pretty much for himself. And f- before we saw the nuance of him, like, actually caring at the funeral and, and having doubts and things like that. So that, yeah, maybe that's part of the difference is that he didn't have that, like, I care about other people besides myself thing. And yeah. Something that Oberyn had. Yeah, and I think there's something relatable at its core about a character who just wants to prove themselves to, like... Not just not just prove themselves to the world, but to a, a specific person in their life. Like that is far more relatable. Yeah, cool. You know, I I'll say that over time, I, I like Oberon less. You know, he started <laughs> off to me as this exciting, charismatic guy, but over time, kind of like Shay, you were saying, like like he's just obsessed with revenge. And even if it's not selfish per se, he's definitely not accounting for 
the lives that will be lost on his quest. He might yeah, start a war true. and a lot of innocent people are going to be killed. I mean, and he's too caught up in he his He almost own started the whole rebellion drive over to think about that because stuff. of that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he, he, and, he uh, was, you're right. Think, it was a little maybe yeah. all And I mean, Oberyn was pretty terrible himself, too. Like in the books, Oberyn like, has this whole thing where when he goes to collect one of his daughters, when he collects Obara, he just kind of like rips her from her mother's arms and, and insults the mother and takes the daughter from her, and which is not her, a yeah. nice or relatable thing, like, not a, a, a likable thing that Oberyn does, but it doesn't detract from, I really like the character of Oberyn, Mark. Martell yeah. and with in all of his complexities and I feel like that's that is reflected in Damon at last whereas on the page in Fire and Blood it's just a far cry difference from like hearing like three sentences where they say and Damon defended his brother's right as king or whatever and like you can just easily gloss over that but when you make that like such like a a part of his character that yeah he is ambitious or he wants this but he also is bristly on be and prickly on behalf of his brother and cares about him like mm. that it, it translates so much differently seeing yeah. it hmm. let's talk about damon also, go ahead just real quick i gotta i can't stop seeing the parallels between uh <laughs> jimmy and chuck <laughs> <laughs> and damon and uh absolutely <laughs> and i mean there's a little bit there where that is just like a, a pretty standard character archetype brotherly dynamic yeah. to hit i mean even oberon and doran, and doran are like that the, archetype the hell literally the declining yeah. health yeah. and the, you know the daughter that's kind of unsettled and with her situation and all that yeah there's it, some strong parallels there Okay, so talk about one what, person is trying to be stable and straightforward, and one person is a wild card. Yeah, exactly. and, and, and we talked about they that. Support each other sometimes, conflict with each other other times. And we talked about that in our interview with George um, when we asked him about the parallel lives thing, and we, he kind of just was like, "Well, no, I don't do it on purpose, but ultimately, it these are these like, are these are, are true yeah. to the human experience that there are brotherly mm-hmm. dynamics, sibling r- rivalries, where one is the good. Pr- like, I mean, again, and we brought it up with power corrupting. Yeah, or we brought it up like with yeah. Rhaenyra and Alicent. I mean, and Al- Rhaenyra calls Alicent's sister in this episode, and they have that very similar dynamic as well of the goody two shoes and the little bit of the punk wild like mm-hmm. one. Like that's it. That's them as well. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Damon on the ouch. Despite his brother's anger towards him, it's pretty amazing. It's like how he reacts to a lot of being cornered. He just attacks. He doesn't defend. He attacks. Even with a knife at his throat, he's like, marry her to me. <laughs> make the House of the Dragon strong again. Make make Targaryens great again. The The wrinkle in this Rhaenyra's story later, she claims he didn't touch her. Damon doesn't deny having touched her. And that causes Viserys to be like, well, who's telling the truth here? It's very similar to the air for a day moment when he's confronted over that. He doesn't confirm or deny the story. He just reacts to the scenario and tries to coast by or or defend himself or, or not defend himself, but argue that he's in the right or whatever. Similar enough. Uh, and it obviously doesn't fly. I wonder if it might have had a chance of working under other circumstances if he wasn't already married. Like, if he was unmarried, could I think, maybe I, he have... I think, I really think that if Damon was not married, Viserys would have been okay with this. Hmm. Yeah, it's possible. I, I think yeah. he would have thought that, saw, seen that it, it, it makes a lot of political sense. Like, yeah, Otto and other people are going to be pissed off about it, but of what, I think it... I think... He would not have been opposed, but the fact that it adds in polygamy to the incest is just a step too far. Yeah. I, I'm i not so sure about that because I, I, I watched that scene a couple times and I felt like 
Viserys wasn't really hearing Damon out. Like, I feel like Damon made good points and Viserys would deflect. He would, like, bring up some different thing, you know? And he wasn't, like, Damon said, like, hey, you, I gave you my crown. I dropped the sword. I bowed to you and gave you the stepstones. And you said I could have anything I want. I, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Damon didn't address that promise that he made. Well, He's like, you're, nah, you're already married. illegal, though. You know? Like, that's... Yeah. But but it, it, he immediately follows up. That's ah, not really illegal. Aegon did it. It is, but it is was, it is basically illegal though. Like they've agreed point, not to do that. Yeah, they, at yeah, this they've point agreed, pretty is. much agreed with Even, the faith not to do that. And that might be true, but Viserys wouldn't address that point. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't need. Doesn't I don't think he illegal. needs to. Everybody knows that. Like Damon's. It's like, hey, why can't I have the son? You know, it's like, well, of course you can't have the son. You know, yeah. shut up about well, the son. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean I think he was it... asking for something unreasonable. I don't think you need to explain why something unreasonable is unreasonable. But to be, but but Viserys does. He, he doesn't say, oh, you're already married. Blah blah blah. blah. He says she's your niece. You know, like his it's argument too, back. Yeah. It, he does, you no, know. he starts off by saying you're already married. Okay, and yeah. Aegon, like they have a back and forth. He says you're already married. I was like, well, Aegon had a second wife, and he said you're no Aegon, you're no conqueror. Like he never addresses the point that Damon makes he brings up a different point and Damon conquers that uh, you know counters that I don't think the count yeah I guess what I'm saying is those counter arguments I don't think those counter arguments were very good like I don't think they needed to be responded to Damon's arguments were bad that's my point like I don't think he I don't think he was very convincing I don't think he deserved good answers because it was the same answers he made before it's the same like this has all been addressed before I think it's like why does Viserys need to repeat himself he's just he's just mad that Damon won't behave he's like why do you keep throwing this stuff in my face like i let you back and in and this is the first thing you do like 10 minutes later and that's the basic point i'm making is that he's just mad at his behavior if he wasn't married he would still be mad at his behavior sure sure that's why that's okay. why all i'm yeah. saying is that i even if he wasn't married i still don't think he would let this go gotcha yeah i, I think that's probably true i'm not sure yeah i'm not so sure he would he's messing it. too many other things up yeah word okay so sintichia sinti shock <laughs> Sintisha. There's that's how I say it. Otto might not know, might not know the identity of the white worm. He might not realize who he's dealing with. Which I just I I don't agree with that. But I thought it was worth bringing up that that is all we know is that Otto knows that there is a person called the white worm who he is having dealings with. And he met her on the steps at Dragonstone. Yeah. She was standing right by Damon. So that's a good point. Like, like if he, he may not know who she's de- he's dealing yeah, with. Yeah, he might not. Like, she might what? just be using a pseudonym, a name, and he does not know the white worm is Mazaria, the sex worker that was with Damon. Yeah. To, to be clear. What, what was the name of the brothel? We don't it actually know the name of the brothel, but it's possible that she named her brothel the white worm. It's, it's theoretically that's- possible. I, I had I can in my mind some very dirty jokes about that. By the way, <laughs> I, I in my mind I thought the name of the brothel was the white worm. So when he no, got news from the white it's worm, her, it was yeah. news from a brothel. Yeah, but her, her name is, and he does not even it know. It could be to both. Be clear, but it's yeah, definitely her. In the books, her nick. <laughs> to be clear, her nickname in the books is the white worm because she is very pale. She's Lyseni, and so she is very white and almost albino esque um, to the point that they highlight that. Obviously, that's no longer the case in the show. They've still dressed her in these white cloaks and these long white gowns mm. to emphasize that. So I am assuming that her name is still the White Worm, but I definitely we cannot rule out that her, she named her her pleasure house that she named that place the White Worm. As yeah. funny as that name that would be, doesn't seem like a good name. Doesn't seem it. like a very sexy place yeah, to I go. I wouldn't name a brothel White Worm. <laughs> That seems like a bad idea, <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's not possible. Yeah. So yeah. So this is leads to Otto's dismissal. This this working with her, whether he knows who she is or not, uh, yeah. leads to the scene where Viserys decides he can't trust him anymore. And this is such a good scene. 
He figures out Allison was pushed on her. We talked before about Otto's like seemingly genuine conflict at breaking this news to to the king for a variety of reasons, which is it's difficult to see which Otto emphasized more, but they all certainly seem to matter. Um, and that's it. He gets sent away. He takes the hand off of him, the, the hand pin off of him, and, and I thought Reese's acting was incredible, and we'll have to see what the fallout is. Otto probably won't just vanish for good. He's still the grandfather of Aegon and Helena and father of the queen. Uh, he mentioned that his brother was the one that reported on the sea snake's daughter marrying the sea lord of bravos so his brother is clearly keeping track of things and that's where he's going to be he's going back to old town where who knows he'll be collecting information and news and other stuff will happen we'll see and maybe maybe you're not he'll come back to the story mm. uh any thoughts on this scene i guess we sort of talked about it a little bit ahead of time but um here's another chance if anyone wants to jump in I, I did have the thought both earlier when Otto went to Vissaris and then again when Vissaris goes to Otto, they should talk to Alicent. They should get her perspective. She's very tied up in this. She clearly is paying attention to what's going on, has had yeah, good advice in the past, and they keep not getting her insight and things will well, probably go a lot Allison more Alicent makes her insight known. Like Alice, they don't like Viserys doesn't go talk to Alicent. Alicent makes sure to talk to him about it. So like she was, was uh, she made sure that they got her opinion, yeah. not, on the, not on not on Otto being uh, fired, but on Rhaenyra and whether she actually did the thing. Like That's yeah, true. Viserys did not. He, should, he maybe could have asked her, but no. Good on yeah. Alicent. She was gung ho. She was forward about making sure to be like, no, I believe this and I don't believe that, and here's what you should do. She really doesn't like. Damon does she like to consider <laughs> Allison and like what she values in life and, and like way she's a rules follower and like likes to keep everything peaceful and wants it all to be copacetic and wants people to get along Damon is just like the opposite he's constantly stirring up trouble he doesn't have any respect for rules or shout traditions out or, to the yeah. scene where Allison is just trying to like be the great connector that she's been and she's like oh do you want to see the new tapestries yeah. and Viserys just laughs at her <laughs> like well, so disrespectful like she was yeah, being was a good queen <laughs> and like that's rude. like a pretty normal thing to be like oh we got some that's like saying you know like that it's like i'm just thinking of curb your enthusiasm when like Susie asks Larry if he wants to get a tour of the house, and Larry's <laughs> like, like, "No, no." And like, I don't it's care like about very, that. Like, like, Allison, should... kind of a rhetorical question, Larry. You're supposed, like you're supposed to, to, just to say get the yes, tour but, the but the thing is that Damon doesn't even have a chance to say yes or no. Viserys just laughs and says, "No way, we're not doing he, that." Of course, my brother doesn't want that. I, I know him; he hates yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to bring this up earlier. By the way, this seems like a good time that in in that moment. The brothers were bonding. Yeah. Viserys yes. is like, no, you were always mom's favorite, he was right? Drunk. And, and in this moment, yeah. right? And in this moment, when they're kind of bonding, first Renera tries to be diplomatic. Now she's kind of in a little trouble, right? Because she came back early. But she's like, you know, well, hey, congratulations on your victory, uncle. And Viserys is like, cold shoulder. He like literally turns away. Well, my guy, she, he just doesn't want to engage with. Her. Yeah. yeah. And in here comes Allison with like, hey, maybe you want to check out the tapestries. <laughs> oh, silly girl. He doesn't want to see the tapestries. <laughs> Even if he's right and knows Damon well enough to know he doesn't care about that. He's just not aware of the diplomatic efforts that the women are making. Yeah. He, so he's acting like they're teenagers up. again. He's, he's like, he's like, he's time traveled back yeah. to him being them being yeah. like 
12 and 15 or whatever. And like, my brother doesn't like tapestries, but we're tight. We know yeah, each other really well. But yeah, that's. I was yeah, disappointed last, like, because Rhaenyra says, oh, I want to see the tapestries. And I was like, oh, how sweet. We're going to go see these tapestries, tapestries from Norvos and Cohor. No, instead, Rhaenyra and Allison just go sit down on a bench together, which was a great scene. <laughs> but I would really like to see these uh, these famed tapestries. Yeah, show us the tapestries. <laughs> that, by the way, that, that was an interesting follow up. We got the brothers bonding and kind of ignoring the women, and then we get the sisters, quote unquote sisters. Yeah, I mean she calls bonding. her sister. They sat yeah. Down and yeah, exactly. And in that moment, they they were much more aware, right? That even when Monera kind of slipped up a little bit, she realized that, that was kind of a slight to Allison and apologize. Realized it, you know, that was like I'm going to say the real diplomacy that needs to happen, right? That's that that type of discussion is what the guys need to be doing. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking of diplomacy, let's talk about a couple of leftovers from Rhaenyra and Allison becoming friends again. One thing that really sticks out there, they've found sympathy for each other again. They've found some common ground that maybe had been shaken up before, but has they found their feet again on that, for now at least. Because Re- Allison has been consistently not on her father's plan of making her son the king. She's still supporting Rhaenyra. That continues to come through with her supporting the marriage to Laenor. She's like, well, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. You should marry Laenor. That, that will help your cause. If she wanted her son to become king, she wouldn't want Rhaenyra to marry the most powerful house in the realm. She would want to you know, have her be weaker so that it would help her get ahead or help her son get ahead. So she's still very much both in front and behind the scenes supporting Rhaenyra's ascent. She's like, yeah, you're the heir. That's how it should be. She doesn't really even question, even when her father's like, make Aegon king. Now, of course, I mean, that's probably not over yet. Her father's probably going to keep pushing for that, maybe even more so now that he's been kicked out. We'll see. But so far, she's just being a good friend and being a good husband or <laughs> wife. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't have any real reason to think that Rhaenyra would like Rhaenyra just hasn't given her any impression that she would kill her kids. Yeah. Like they grew up together as best friends. It's quite a leap to suddenly decide that your best friend is willing to kill not only your children but her siblings and be a kinslayer like that is a big jump so like i think she has to really believe that that her kids are in danger for her to to turn away from her fully and i think that's why she's personally so much against the daemon idea because he would kill her kids she thinks because otto said that and that she can't necessarily argue against she's like well I know Rhaenyra wouldn't do that, but Damon might. So this is part of why she's like, he's the bad influence. Get rid of him. He's the one that's a threat. So it, it, with him in the picture, I feel like Alicent is nervous and has reason to be worried. But with him gone, maybe she can relax a little for better or worse. You know, she's not worried about that big, overwhelming pro- possible problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I feel yeah. like there's to like keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. I feel like mm-hmm. sending Damon off to some other place. Uh, you're just asking for trouble that's far away from you and hard to deal <laughs> with. Or, yeah, lo- you know, longer to see coming or whatever. I don't know. What What would you do though? Yeah, like, what would keeping you do? him at court? Like he can't be trusted there. 
He can't like he 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 was better. Keep like, seducing your daughter, your daughter, if you keep him at court. The Stepstones was better for him and the realm than being yeah. at the Red Keep. <laughs> yeah, for like two yeah. weeks, <laughs> four years in the Stepstones was better yeah, than yeah. two years the Red Keep. Two weeks the Red Maybe Keep. Maybe that's what you do. You put him in charge of some expedition. Yeah. You know, like you got <laughs> to find a way to make him think it's his own idea, right? If you're a good politician and a good yeah. manipulator or whatever, like send him to war, send him back to take charge of the triarchs or even to i don't know send him to take out some lord in a reach go settle that squabble between the brackens and the blackwood okay uh moving on let's talk about lies heart trees tansy tea and perception a few bits left over here from some of these topics here's an important quote from john two a clash of kings this is the old bear and john himself john said my lord father believed no man could tell a lie in front of a heart tree. The old gods know when men are lying. My father believed the same, said the old bear. Is this one of those gender tricks? My lord father believed no man could tell a lie in front of a heart tree. Old gods know when men are lying. But uh, Alice, that's Rainier's out. She's like, ah, I'm not, uh, they can't hear me. They got no idea if I'm lying. I really do love the idea of Bran or Blood Raven or any other green seer just having a front row seat to all this <laughs> drama, but like they don't get the full picture because not everything happens in front of the heart tree. So they're like, but what does she, what did she mean when she said that such and such? Like what really happened between Damon and, and Rainier? Like they don't really know the truth. They only get to see the scenes that happen in this God's wood. Um, <laughs> so I was really getting a, a, having a little kick out of a, picturing like bran eating popcorn while he like watches this happen (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) so let's see here um yeah so that's pretty neat the idea i wanted to say the cool thing about the werewood tree too in the behind the scenes uh house the dragons built featurette they revealed that the the face in the werewood is uh miguel sapochnik's mom Really? No, yeah, nice. that's his mother. That is the face in the Wood. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I thought that was too cool. Man, was a, uh-huh. made that woman into a tree. Oh, yeah, geez. mother's <laughs> always watching. <laughs> <laughs> so even after Spotnik leaves the show, his mother yeah will still be waiting. Just keep that, that tree away from the white worm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still anticipating us seeing this tr- this heart tree cut down during yeah. the during the show. I, I like we said possible it happens later during like Baylor the Blessed or during another reign, but I think it makes the most sense to see it happen in House of the Dragon um cuz as yeah. you can imagine, probably there's going to be some fighting in the Red Keep at some point. There's going to be some reason that something like this might happen. Patron George cut down or burn down. What cut cut down? The stump is there. The stump is there. Yeah, the stump is there, which is why I know we we know that it has to be removed. Uh, Ned and Sansa and Arya go there to the stump, if I remember correctly, in Mm -hmm. uh, Game of Thrones, the the show. Yeah, and uh, Sansa is is, hangs out there in um, the show as well. So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, Lord, no, our, I think our sh- patron George the Golden wanted to ask about that tree, and so yeah, we do think it's being set up for later, and we oh. may we may see the the cutting down of it during the show. I agree with you, Shay. There's a very good chance of that. Yeah, and in our Saturday episode, we can talk about that a little bit more when we yeah. think that might happen. We Although I will say, mm-hmm. I think I think that in the book canon, or or maybe even in show canon, the stump it seemed that it was an oak. It wasn't really a heart yeah. tree; it was an oak. But yeah. um, there was a godswood there. To be clear, the the, uh, the existence of a godswood is not new. It's just the fact that it is a 
actual heart tree yeah. werewood with a face. There was no heart. Yes, yeah, no. There's no heart tree in the Red Keep in Book Canon. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's talk a little Targaryen lore here. Yeah, Targaryen lore. Uh, Damon drew her a map of the secret door. That was interesting. That he apparently has all this knowledge of the Red Keep and. Does anyone else? I guess Rainier has been alerted to it now. She knows it exists, and I guess Kristen Cole, as we said, was as well. Will she you see the little Valyrian uh, yeah. words as well as extra clue that Rhaenyra would have instantly known that this was Damon? In other words, yeah, beyond she's the only any one that other talks things, to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who else is writing her a Valyrian note um, with all this? Talk Valyrian. By the way, do me. we think that Colin Robinson might have some Targaryen blood? <laughs> Remember, he drew a same secret passage note <laughs> like that, too. Right? <laughs> and what we do in the shadows for yeah. anyone who's like, this Colin yeah. Robinson, what's Sean talking about? <laughs> this episode had a lot of shadows in it. A lot of people doing uh, things in shadows, that's for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm curious about that. If there's going to be any more uh, use of the passages, how that's going to come out. We definitely know of some cases where the passages will get used in the future. That's very spoiler to talk about right now, but. That's still a ways away, so there's room for quite a bit of other things or maybe setting all that up. We'll see. I'm very curious about that. Important to remember, folks, this is widely known. This isn't really a spoiler at this point. The showrunners have been open about this, that we've only got one more episode of Millie Alcock and and Emily Carey and Mm. uh, a couple of the others, I guess. And... Although there was news today going around, I haven't had a chance to vet it, that they might be brought back for season two, which means flashbacks will happen. Oh, yeah, that's what I've been saying. I've been rooting mm-hmm. for that not only that, not only because they're popular, uh, the younger versions are popular, but just it's just it would be not, like there's they might not have had time for every m- monumental moment between those characters that they might, might just be set up. There's a th- scene in season two where they're like, man, it would be so good if we could just show a conversation that Alicent and Rhaenyra had. Let's cut back to it. Yeah. Like, totally. I think that would be cool. I would be, I'm super on board with it. I'm on the record. Hey, use the heart tree for it. <laughs> I don't think I need there to be any sort of framework or reason for yeah, how no, it happens. Just, just a memory is um, all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. We're just like, I, in general, I feel like the best opportunity for that is that there's the beginning of any given episode where you can do a prologue thing. We've already had a voiceover from the very first scene. Yeah. Which was older Rhaenyra was narrating that the Great Council. That's so a they've good already point. sort of had a little mini flashback of sorts with the with the Great Council scene wasn't really framed as now we jump forward. No, it was Rhaenyra telling that story of the past. So that that framing does maybe hint at more, and more reflection. Precedent and, yeah, precedent. Yeah. yeah, precedent. We've had flashback precedent. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so a few more family stories here. Jaharis and Alison and their daughters are brought up. It is seven daughters. I couldn't remember, but I I have it written here. There's Sarah was hinted at. Sarah's the one who particularly had trouble with Jaharis and Alison. She's the one that became a queen in her own right at uh, in Volantis of uh, through rising the ranks of courtesan. There was also Viscera who died in the Westerosi equivalent of a drunk driving accident, which is racing her horse drunken through the streets and breaking her neck. Hmm. Another daughter got grayscale by being a really good person treating the sick. She was a septa. Another one died of winter fever. Another one uh, died in two of them died in childbirth, one being Emma's mother and Dayla. the other being Alyssa, who was Viserys and Balon's or sorry, Viserys and Damon's mother. 
Excuse me, I said Diella. I should be saying Diella, like Diella. <laughs> as copyright girls gone canon who call her Diella Targaryen, like Paella. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that never gets old. Uh, yeah. So Alyssa was the rider of Melis, who is Rhaenys' dragon, the queen who never was. That's her dragon. So that dragon passed from Alyssa, meaning Viserys and uh, Damon's mother, to their sister, or their cousin, rather, who was the daughter of... Yeah, their father's brother. Art on screen of Alyssa, her husband Balon, and Melis by artist J.D. Wiz. Yeah. And their father Balon himself was the writer of Vagar, who has been brought up a few times. And uh, we got to figure Vagar is going to get it in the story at some point. We'll see. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so lots of cool stuff there. I just love the Targaryen lore. That whenever they bring up the family mentions and, and just throw that stuff out there, it just makes us happy. Puts the smiles on our faces. And this episode had a lot of it. Yeah, we're the every time that happens, we're the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme, you know? That's yeah. us. We're like, yeah. I feel like I've been doing that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this show has given us a lot of those moments. But no, I really appreciated the line where, you know, Viserys goes, Jaharis would have disinherited you because yeah, he would have. Jaharis was a sexist and he <laughs> had no patience for his daughter's exploits. And if he had had some patience for it, things would have turned out a lot better for his line, I think. Yeah, it's one of the reasons things are such a mess in his family. It's obviously not his fault that some of them died, but yeah. he had, could have handled some things differently. If you know, he had... like, yeah, his daughter did go out drunk driving, drunk yeah, riding, basically. That like, that, like <laughs> that just sucks for him. But he's the one who was like, yeah, I'm going to get right. Like, I'm going to just I'm going to get rid of you, Sarah, for you misbehaving when he could have tried a little harder yeah. and not done that. Definitely. And Alisanne constantly disagreed with how he handled these situations. But too. she's not not culpable either. Right. She's she, still she went along you know, with some of it. You're she right. went along with some of it, and more important, like she went along with like some of these marriages and early childbirths that she was uncomfortable with. And so, no, I don't want to like as much as we all love Alisanne and we call her Good Queen Alisanne, like. Not, she, she's, she's, she's imperfect. She's like imperfect. Everybody. There's a difference yeah. between good and perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's There's not a perfect difference. Queen she's not perfect yeah. Queen Alison. <laughs> it's a lot similar to how I picture Rainey's, the queen who never was, how she was talking about Lena, where she's like, yeah, I'm not happy about it, but this is how it is. This is how it has to be. Yeah. So let's talk about that real quick. Speaking of family and this notion that the Sea Lord of Bravos is going to marry Lena, that's been reported and another great, like, important political move that's just a, one or two lines of dialogue. And think back to how many Sea Lords Bravos have been a problem for Westeros in the past. This is part of why they're like, oh, we got to respond to this. And the way to do that would be to balance things out. If the Sea Lord's daughter, son marries Lena, but Lenor marries Rhaenyra, well, then they've kept parity with the Bravosi, right? It's kind of even. They each have a Valerian marriage. I mean, it kind it, of seems like it works out well because then you, you have a connection to the Sea Lord of Bravos yeah, yourself. Like, that's it true. Seems then like, you're all kind of... It seems like the Bravosi might support you because you're, you know, that's your, your brother-in-law or whatever. Yeah, technically, this marriage hasn't happened yet. No. So we'll see. Like, there's a chance it doesn't. Obviously, it's nothing's done until it's done. This is just news that it's going to happen. And... For example, some pro we've talked about in our Stepstones episode, the Bravosi were a big part of the trouble in the Stepstones after this era, and they've been a problem for it before this era. They've had lots of connections to different people and, and fleets that have tried to dominate the Narrow Sea. Daenerys and Viserys, as in the original Danny in the Game of Thrones, Mother <laughs> of Dragons. There's so many Dannys, you got to be clarify here. Some several Viserys too. Uh, they 
remember, they were uh, guests of the Sea Lord of Bra. That's where the red door was, right? And she remembers that important red door. And the Sea Lord of Bravas, of course, maybe was playing some games there. We're not entirely clear. He also, a different Sea Lord of ba- Bravos bought the dragon eggs from Alyssa Farman and <laughs> sold, gave her all the money to build her fancy ship. So, yeah, the Sea Lords of Bravos have, very often are a, a, a political factor for Westeros not to be uh, looked on lightly. So that's why they were like, oh, that's. That is a big deal, and we're we're meant to understand that because of this history, which is did the thorough. Bank of Bravos exist at that time? Yeah, the Iron, the Iron Bank, Bank. Yes, you're right. That's I should mention that. Not only does the Sea Lord have a strong connection to the Iron Bank, but to the Faceless Men. So, I mean, it's not like they control them, but they have access to them in ways that other people don't. You know, foreigners may not have. There's definitely evidence of them working in concert even if the relationship isn't fully clear, what ditto concert? the Iron Bank and the Faceless Men with each other. I said, what concert? What concert? Oh. Um, Beatles. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a Iron Butterfly again. I keep bringing them up. <laughs> Iron Maiden, huh? Iron Maiden, yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something Iron, yeah. Some sort of metal band, yeah. Okay, so also mentioned in this final scene, or almost final scene, the final scene is the, Tansy T scene, but before that is the dagger scene, the runes on the blade, the fire etching on the dagger. I'm not sure that it, it advanced this plot line. It was really cool, but I don't think he revealed anything new about the prophecy. He just kind of reemphasized what her children are for. It's not just her responsibility to the throne. It's her responsibility to this prophecy. It's a big deal. And he's like, look, it's not just about your rights to the throne. You have we're carrying this burden here and let me just emphasize what's going on here. How important Aegon thought this was. It wasn't just some story I told you. So it is a little bit of a, of a rehash, but it's done really well and differently. And the, the, the writing on the blade is just so cool. Yeah. It looks super cool. <laughs> it's funny that the writing never comes is never actually relevant yeah. uh, later on. No one ever knows. No one knew to hold it under the fire, which, I, I mean, why would you just hold your random dagger under the fire? Someone in the chat, I don't forget who it was earlier, said, well, see, that's what they what they also haven't learned is that if you hold it under ice, that's something <laughs> another message oh. is revealed that says property of Arya Stark. <laughs> Shout out to whoever in the chat said that because it made me laugh. That's hilarious. But, uh, they mentioned- uh, I can't remember if this is clear before, but another layer maybe that was added of, uh, I don't know, gravity to it or whatever, or, or lore to it. But th- this is before Aegon, right? This... Oh, I guess maybe Aegon had it inscribed on that blade. Yeah, the dagger existed before Uh, Aegon. They said the dagger dated predated Aenar, but the etching came from Aegon. Okay. And what they said was he had the last of the Valyrian pyromancers do that. Now, why there were still Valyrian pyromancers 80 to 90 years after the Doom is unclear, and why they died out since is also unclear, but it's pretty cool. And I wonder about that. Maybe we'll get some more info on it. Um, they're certainly different than the current pyromancers of Song of Ice and Fire, the ones that, like, Roy Dotrice was playing the pyromancer in in the season two, and Tyrion was getting all the wildfire together. There's plenty of wildfire associated with Targaryen history, Summerhall, Ares, right? So you wonder what the connection here is, if, if the these pyromancers learned anything yeah. from the Valyrian pyromancers, or what's what the difference is. I wonder if they'll explore that at all. Both those examples you just gave are post 
House of the Dragon that we're watching now. Oh yeah, right? yeah. So that shows like this is what they became, uh, or yeah. they've always, or that's always been a separate order that now is the only order, given that the Valyrian ones have died out. It's not. That's just. It's too vague for us to get too deep into it, but it's it's tantalizing, and, and I hope we get more detail. Mm-hmm. I almost kind of wonder the way he's framing it. He's like, look, you may not respect me, you may not respect. What I'm telling you, but look, Aegon the Conqueror wrote this. Maybe you'd respect him. <laughs> you know, he's he's maybe more formidable of a presence than I was, you know. <laughs> so maybe that's what he's trying to do by saying, look, if you're not going to listen to me, listen to Aegon the Conqueror. <laughs> Somehow I don't think it'll work. I, I, it makes <laughs> sense to make that appeal, but I don't think that's going to work on yeah, him. We'll yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm very curious to see how she handles it. I mean, like even if maybe forward. she wanted to, this is like another thought I had about Damon there's just there's just something in him and maybe in her too some sort of compulsion or some you know like even if she in that moment was like really that's what Aegon wanted it it almost it seems like I'm being sarcastic to say that but what if she genuinely had that thought oh I didn't realize you're right I should follow what Aegon said but three days later when she's crushing over Kristen Cole that's out the window you know what I mean like (laughs) that's funny Okay, so a question from Lucas Parham. He says, do you think Mushroom will appear on the show? I don't know. I think we well, might get him on, there, like, like sitting oh, in a corner or something. There is a preview image from, again, if you tune in on Saturday, we'll talk about this more. There was a dwarf in the preview for next week. I don't think that that was Mushroom personally, but maybe. So we'll talk about it a little bit. This is just a little bit too much on the spoilery topic, Lucas. But um, perhaps that was a version of mushroom and, and ryan condal interviewed him was sort of cagey he was like he sort of said yes but didn't commit he was like keep watching he was like we're like as if there's yeah, gonna be something maybe not exactly mushroom but something that resembles yeah mushroom. that's what which is my thought that again if in the preview we see a dwarf performer we can be like okay that's our mushroom stand-in we don't have to see him on screen all the time to be like that guy was watching sometimes and making up stories uh, um, speaking of side characters here we we talked about how it's willem blackwood and not samuel blackwood maybe that's because we already have so many other samuels or samuel spotify who's her bard uh, which is right? but let's see like but that's where like it's weird to me because they they made the choice to make, no, make I, the I, bard. I'm just joking, I know you're though. just joking about that but for what it's worth if they did change samuel's name to willem because of that like that's a weird change to me so i'm personally rooting that Samuel Blackwood still exists and that Willem is Sam's brother right, and right. Ben's uncle. I'm still there are other that. There are other Samwells, too. There's a Sam Strong as well. I'm not saying that's why they changed it, but, you know, yeah. there, there are a bunch of Samwells. Yeah. Um. So we will see about that. I will definitely be on Blackwood Watch going forward to find out exactly what the family dynamics are here. Yeah. Uh, Myth Six Sense says I'm a new subscriber and late. Anyone noticed the birth control tea Allison was drinking before? Bed? So I, I considered to, that, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was. Tea. There's two things. One, she's drinking it before she even sleeps with Viserys that night. Before she even knows that she's being uh, summoned to yeah. see him. I thought it was like a sleeping draft. Yeah, I, I was. I I think it was. Yeah, like she, a tea with some alcohol or, or some. I yeah. think yeah. I think it was showing that she was getting ready for bed. Especially because um, Mela says it has to be done just right. Yeah, and or she it could was backfire. brewing. Like it was just so like there. Like, she exactly. would be making it herself yeah. yeah 
Um, so I, f- I would say I feel strongly that she was not drinking any sort of birth control. Yeah. Um, not that I don't think that she could have done, could do that in the future or that that's outside the realm of her character. Also don't but, think it fits uh, her. Yeah. I think she's, like, she just follows the rules. I don't yeah, think she like, would do I that. Know. You know, I think that's goes against her duty to her husband. And yeah. even if she wants to do that, I don't think she would, but. Uh, and I think it shows wrong. a contrast we'll in like the, the amount of control that they have over their life. Like I think like, between when you compare Allison and Rhaenyra and Mazaria, the idea that maybe Allison, if it was up to her, she wouldn't be just popping out kids year after year. Yeah. She would do use birth control, but she does not have that option. Like I think that makes more sense and is more significant and thematically resonant and all that, which I, I sometimes I harp on that, but like I do feel like theories get lost in the weeds sometimes with, well, could this happen? Is this possible? And not what is the meaning to this? What does this mean for the story? Because I, I just, I just want to, I want to caution y'all to just think about that sometimes. Yeah, well um, said. All right, a couple of um, mi- miscellaneous things that we didn't talk about. For example, I was wondering if there was any symbolism. I couldn't figure it out, but I wondered why there were rats crawling around Balerion's skull when she walked by. I was like, what's that about? It's all the all the rats there, crawling around the dragons, you know. There was also. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, you we can hear little. you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, there was also a rat above Allison's bed. Do you remember that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah. A- after she, after Vasaris had fallen asleep and she was laying in bed next to him, she's looking up and like the bed frame or whatever had a rat crawling above it. I, I also noticed, uh, I think there was at least one other scene where they kind of featured rats scurrying around. And I kind of put it into maybe the same line of like, uh, you remember when Vasaris told, uh, Damon that he's a plague trying to ruin me mm-hmm. I wonder if it's just yeah. another ending and we saw the sores on him just that hmm. he's infested the, the keep is yeah. infested the, the family's infested with rats plague yeah, I whatever it is see it as that I will point out um, as many people have also pointed out the maesters are referred to as grey rats as rats in the Song of Ice and Fire I do think that it's more much more so what you're saying Sean that it's a general plague and infestation um, versus specifically about the maesters. Um, I, I don't think that it's go, it's going that far. I agree. I, I think it may um, also be just very simple in that it sets up perhaps that they need will some- hire some rat catchers, which that, if you know Fire and Blood, you know why that's relevant. If you don't, you'll see. Yeah. And uh, there aren't rat catchers in King's Landing anymore. You'll notice that in the time of Arya, who explores cats. the tunnels, that all the rat catchers have been replaced with cats. So I, I it so will be a plot rat point. catchers or maybe more spies that are brought in. You're on the right track. People walking okay. around those secret passageways, you got to give them access to places where the rats mm-hmm. would be, and maybe yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. Yes. So I would say I think that it is setting that up. As funny as that does seem, like let's set up the. Rat it occurred catchers. to me just now. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do think that it's that. <laughs> I was trying to delicately avoid it, but sure, it's not spoilery to say that. Yeah. More, we'll see more characters. It's one of those things that if you have read, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, yeah. you're like, what the hell is he talking about? So that's, yeah, yeah, something to tease. Yay, all right. We can walk that tightrope of not spoiling while also nodding to people who know. More on that Saturday, I suppose we can talk about. Love the spoken High Valyrian, as we said, and the written High Valyrian on the dagger. We were told there would be good... Dagger the ma- and, and the, the, ma- the, the map. You're right, the, the map. map. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, Two. so David Peterson, David J. Peterson, who created the language did tease that there would be a good amount of written and spoken High Valyrian in the show, and we're seeing that. There's surely more to come, but that is awesome. Every time we see it, it makes us a little bit happier. 
Is she still reading Nymeria's book? Again, she's seen reading a yeah, book. Yeah, like, that's my question. Is, is Rhaenyra a slow reader, or does she like to reread? Does does yeah. Rhaenyra subscribe to Valar Rereadus? Because that's what does. I think. I think she's just rereading <laughs> that's it. That's really times. why you keep picking Millie Alcock each week. Yeah, she's like, a she's, Val- a reader. she's the avatar of Valar Rereadus. I, I, I will say that I do <laughs> like Rhaenyra a whole lot more, knowing that like she likes to read, she <laughs> likes to listen to music, she likes to go out and get drunk and party a little. But yeah. Rhaenyra's a cool relatable character this is exactly what they need to do when flushing out fire and blood characters shout out to kim renfro uh who will be our guest uh one of these weeks i forget when yeah i but... forget if it's like nine or ten, a few yeah, weeks many weeks from now and she said i too as a kid like to reread my favorite book with my favorite song playing on yeah. repeat <laughs> in reference to yes. the song over and over and <laughs> super relatable one part i missed about that with that song him playing the song over and over is when he's she's like yeah play it again he like he like stretches his hand yeah. for a second like he's oh, been doing yeah. it all day I was like that's a good little clue yeah like <laughs> beyond him just being sick of the same song like uh, as a musician you can relate more is the idea of just the same notes over yeah, and over like, can no, i please play something like, else? just just one other song to just stretch my fingers out yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like well i'm gonna really know the song well at least that's the this is kind of like <laughs> practice not performance <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I do wonder about that, whether that's the uh, what's going on with the book. Uh, Nancy Gross says, also in the episode, Rhaenyra had way better sex than Alicent during her maiden voyage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think there probably was an element like, yeah, Alicent was like aghast and offended and appalled and all that. But I do think there's an element within Alicent that is also like. Oh, that like your life sounds nicer than mine. Starting off with the first thing of, of Rainier having all these young suitors and uh, that Allison was taken by. So like, yeah, I do, I do think there's some envy, some jealousy there. Yeah, Mostly w- she's appalled. But. It was a very nice moment because she's like, you, uh, she says, I just they're not interested in me. They they just want my Valyrian blood and birthright. And the, And she's like. Mm-hmm. I think it's romantic. Yeah. yeah, she's joking, but she's playing it off. But she's you're right. There's an element of. That's better. Like I yeah, like, just yeah. had to get married. I didn't even. I didn't have like, suitors. Yeah, they, yeah, I didn't have anyone. Yeah, exactly. I had to seduce this older man and yeah. uh, for his Valyrian blood and birthright. I'm gonna tell myself that's romantic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no poor thing. Um, yeah, speaking of um, those suitors, we do see some notable houses because we see like House Frey, we see a, a Tully, we here, see the Bracken. Yeah, can you pull this image up here? Uh, yeah, I will pull the image up in one. Shout out to Gray Area and Direwolf City. They're going on after us, as they always do on Mondays at 8.30 Eastern. So you can always just if click I right can. on over to them when we're done here. There's Gray Area some. took a shot here of from the cattle show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is a, li- a showing of different suitors here. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, mostly Riverlanders. In fact, possibly all Riverlanders in this shot. It looks like a strong I'm not sure who's strong that strong is it might be the Sam strong that we're talking about there's a Tully in there and there's a uh what might be House Mud which is odd because in book canon House Mud's extinct but it really looks like House yeah, Mud uh, my argument is that 
I know that there's this mostly Riverlands people that we're seeing right there, but we also see like a brown skinned guy and like a black woman. So like maybe there's some other regions. Like maybe there are some Dornish suitors. Maybe yeah. it's a house I'm man. I'm super dubious Woody. there's Dornish suitors in this room because they're independent and the storm. Like, yeah, why would they be I, able I, to gather? I agree with you in? there. I again am just looking at the fact that like there are like. There, there just were. Uh, there's like a, but those don't a have very to be swarthy guy. I mean, they can be like. like I mean, like, they can come from other places. To the same, but I mean, also like to the same place that like Kristen is Dornish as well in a Stormlander. Um, you know, um, like it's there's there's not right, but he's not representing a Dornish house. He's not representing a Dornish house. He's but my point is just that like yeah. you know that that could be the case there. Yeah, um, I, I don't. There might be people there with Dornish blood that aren't supporting a Dornish house. Yeah, right. Exactly. But they wouldn't. Just that, that wouldn't explain this guy. This house or Valerian guy. blood. Yeah. I don't think there are any other Valerian blood blooded people should, that should be around. Mm. I mean, they could obviously have added something, but because if this if this is house or blood, that was Valerian. No, I know. I know that's what you meant. Clearly, but, yeah. Okay. Either, either you way. think Corliss's family is the only one? Yes, they're the only ones. Yeah. Well. So, well, there's Hal Celtigar, which is Valyrian as well, but they're that's this isn't where that would happen. I don't think they would have. Anyway, it's all speculation at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I that's mean, why I, think this I, is I just mud, don't. I don't necessarily think that that black woman is related to Corley's Valyrian, though. I think they're so. Oh, I agree. Those, I'm I think not they're saying that, that there are other houses that have. Like, I think that's just what they're adding in. I agree, which is why there. I don't think it's Dornish. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just are adding the diversity without necessarily specifying where it comes from. It doesn't have to be Dornish. And there's pretty good reason to think the Dornish wouldn't be welcome. Anyway, we don't know, um, but we might learn later. And if so, we will fill you all in. Uh, either way, this it house mud nice guy looks like a terrible... continue, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <Right? laughs> either way, this house mud guy looks like a terrible candidate. He's at least as old as the Dondarian she laughed at. So <laughs> maybe that's why. He's like, you're really old. You're actually, you actually predate the extinction of house mud. This guy's like 500 <laughs> years old. Yeah, look at this dude. Look at these dudes chuckling like, oh. oh They're like snickering at oh. the Bracken guy's insults. Yeah. They weren't laughing after guy. that. This guy's so funny. <laughs> yeah. His last uh, laugh. <laughs> he did not have the last laugh. And that also looks like uh, clearly the father, as you can see, because he rushes over to Gerald after his. Um... Oh, is that a bracken? Is that a necklace? Is yeah, that yeah, a that's necklace? his necklace. Oh. Yeah, and then you see later, as you can see right here, then when 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 he's dead, he's very upset by this, and they just look related beyond that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that's his father. It's of course also possible it's an older brother or an uncle, as always. Yeah, but I'm true. gonna guess that that is Gerald Bracken's. Brackenfather. We will keep an eye on them to see if the characters remain consistent. Like if that, if this particular actor shows up again, we'll be able to draw more conclusions based on that. Okay, let's wrap it up. Remember, folks, to check out the synopsis each week. It helps you get primed for the episodes and the discussions that ensue. Also, check out our Dance of the Dragons coverage with Radio Westeros if you want to get deep into the book lore. We got four episodes out of a Plan 7, Episode 5, is fairly imminent as well. We get pretty a lot farther down the timeline in that one, and it also helps you keep track of the difference between book and show canon. And it's just fun, if I do say so myself. Final thoughts, Sean? There, there was one little bit that I wanted to get back to. I mentioned in the beginning that through the course of this episode, Rhaenyra did several troublesome things, one of which was in that, you know, when they're going through the city streets, and she's like, I don't care what the people think. 
Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I don't know. That's the should. best thing we want to hear a future ruler yeah, saying. Yeah. Even Damon was like, like yeah. he, even if he doesn't actually care about them, he knows you need to account for it. If yeah, nothing else, it matters. And, uh, He's right that it matters. Yeah, and and I, I wonder on like a slightly bigger picture with all the context of this, if there's, she seems to be to me so far mostly being presented as a if not the protagonist, and it maybe she's going to get screwed over this this uh, inheritance that she should get. But maybe she shouldn't get it. Like if, you know, uh, like maybe by the rules of this land and the inheritance laws, you should, but those are all bad rules in the first place. You shouldn't be because yeah, yeah. who your dad was, yeah, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you want to pick the ruler based on how good a ruler they're going to be, even aside from her being, a, you know, too young for this, really, she still might get it. If Asaras dies tomorrow, she's going to become the queen. And even if the whole land had accepted it, she might not be that good, and hopefully she has a good counsel around her. She won't be doing it on her own, but she doesn't really have the right mentality for it, at least not right now. Yeah, she needs more education. I totally agree. If she were to take over as queen tomorrow, probably wouldn't go very well. She's definitely not ready for it. She hasn't been well prepared for it, as we pointed out multiple times. Viserys is not really putting her in that role to learn very well. He's been trying to find her a husband. That seems what he's more focused on, getting her married, than he is mm-hmm. teaching her how to rule well. And, of course, part of that is he doesn't know how to rule well, so he's not... Yeah, there is a lot of about the legacy in general. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And the legacy. Yeah, he's more worried about the and legacy, the prophecy, both yeah. of like his family, his heir, the prophecy. He not that he isn't worried about the people, but it doesn't seem to be his primary consideration, yeah, which yeah. I think it should be the rule's primary consideration. And it's certainly not Renera's primary consideration. Damon at least recognizes that it needs to be a consideration, even if it probably wouldn't be his primary one. It is neat to think about what if he did suddenly become king? How would he handle it? Would he shift gears as a person i don't know i didn't mean to get into that but yeah. but i do want to say that i'm reevaluating my perspective of what renera's role is where this might go if i want her to win or whatever you know? right on yeah and that's great because it's not straightforward it's it's not obvious and you could see it going a lot of different ways and that's part of what makes it so much fun so discussion worthy and uh yeah we're just so excited to see what else comes it feels like there's been so much we're not even halfway there yet with the season, let alone the whole run of the show. We've got so much more to go, so take heart in that. So much more fun is heading our way. Any final thoughts for you, Shay? Oh, I wanted to highlight Liet Rubenfeld, who does point out that in the books, a Dornish marriage is suggested, at least, to bring it's Dorn true. into the realm. That doesn't just that doesn't uh, uh, take away from your point that the Dornish being there at Storm's End, where they have a traditional rivalry, is weird. That's the part but I have that, the which most I, I, was, yeah. I wanted to be clear, but I also <laughs> wanted to bring up, since we brought up the Dornish connection, that like that was brought up. It may have been the part she skipped, right? She skipped yeah. two months of the tour. Maybe yeah. she was supposed to go farther south. Yeah, yeah. That would have taken her door. That it's, that would be the next stop. Like, damn, Rainier, if you had just gone to Dorne, you would have found all the sexy bad boys you wanted. Yeah, there's you plenty of Kristen Coles down plenty there. Plenty of Kristen Coles. <laughs> who aren't we Kingsguard. Know your type. Yeah. Yeah. It's also possible they weren't actually at Storm's End, right? Especially if you said they almost were everyone at, there was They from were at Riverland. Storm's End for two reasons. We is very clear because one behind Rhaenyra, we see a stag um, on one of the walls. It's Lord Baratheon sitting um, next as to her. Lord too. Baratheon sitting okay. next to her, okay. and it's specifically they made it windy because it's Storm's End, where it's supposed to be windy there in general in the storm yeah. lands so but yes yeah, it, it's clear for a few reasons yeah um and the riverlands is is lower in prestige at this point remember they were they were a conquered realm of the iron islands when aegon 
conquered Westeros and then redivided it and, and appointed supreme power to the Tullys in the Riverlands who had never been kings or been but, supreme before. And he did that in, in order to keep them from having a rallying point. But in Just the, like appointing the Ty- Tyrells in charge of the Reach. But in the books, this did take place in the Riverlands. Yeah. Despite that, this is where like right. the, the Bracken, that it was a, the duel between Samuel Blackwood and Amos Bracken, and that happened in the Riverlands as part of her tour that she did. So we just they they just cut that down. Yeah, they kind of mashed up a little bit of it there. It makes sense. All right, um, that's it. Any yeah. other final comments? No, I am good. Right. Except I hope y'all tune in on Saturday for spoilery chat. Who's our guest this Saturday? In- who is our guest this Saturday? I meant to make a note. I have lost track. We have such a I robust schedule. In the meantime, thank you all who came live you. for submitting your questions and adding a lot of great chat to our comment section. A lot of y'all noticed some really useful things that we wouldn't have put into the episode without you. Sean? Follow me on Twitter. Follow Sean on Twitter. At Dancing But don't YouTube spoil also. Sean on Twitter. Yeah, don't tell him anything else. Yeah. Remember, he is unsullied at this point. Let's keep uh, it that not way. Till, not for after the show, but for the rest of this, this the season of the show, he is. Yeah. Oh, our guests um, this Saturday is Direwolf City. Oh, um, we're having nice. Alicia and Ara of Direwolf City. So that plays in perfectly to our plug to starting in two minutes is Direwolf City <laughs> um, going live. I'll grab a link for y'all. Yeah. Also, thanks to Michael Klarfeld for our maps and usual video intro. Our new video intro, thanks to Bran Winslow, Bran the Builder. Thanks to Patreon subscribers, members, and those of you who subscribe on Spotify. That's a relatively new feature. Gives you similar benefits to signing up through Patreon, but you may prefer the convenience, uh, if you already have a Spotify subscription, just adding that on. And don't forget to come back on Saturday, like Ashia said, for our spoiler-free ver- or spoiler-filled version like she said, we'll have Direwolf City as our guests. We'll get into what's happening next episode, looking at the trailer. There's more to predict than usual because the time jump will happen after episode five. There's a lot of things that kind of have to happen in the next episode based on what we expect. We'll see if that actually happens. So there should be plenty to say. It should be really fun. Uh, the trailer looks pretty interesting. A lot of those scenes that are going to happen in episode five were were broadcast part of the original trailer. Yeah, we're yeah. And this is a big wedding them. scene. So, but yeah, we won't talk about it because some of you avoid the previews and all that. So we won't yeah. talk about it much. But as you know, the wedding is going to happen. So. Yeah, yeah. Big episode. That is that one quick thought I wanted to make was that the fact that they have set a precedent of these big time jumps makes it a little harder to predict what's going to happen next episode. Yeah. You know, like Good are we going to resolve a storyline which just now happened or go a year forward and yeah. see how that has bloomed or been uh, set aside or whatever. So anyway, I, ha- better I had a funny that. observation about the cut wedding scene. If y'all didn't know, there was a, a cut scene from Alicent's marriage to Viserys that was filmed and they Mm -hmm. didn't use it. It would have been in episode two. And if you look at the episode lengths, episode one is just over an hour. Episode three is just over an hour. Episode four is just over an hour. Episode two is 52 minutes. So it's almost like that you can tell Mm -hmm. that a scene was cut, that they planned it to be just as long as the others, but they couldn't fit it in because it didn't fit the time jump. It would have been before the time Mm -hmm. jump. And they're like, well, this is the only scene before the time jump, but it would have had like Rainier and Allison arguing and it would have really framed Allison or Rhaenyra helping or the other way around when when they're helping each other get dressed and all that so yeah that would have been uh we'll probably get that as a deleted scene. yeah I think we will like I yeah, said it's I'd not it's to. not one of those scenes that needs a bunch of visual effects work done like they have it yeah it here's got, a nice it, little it, look at uh Allison's dress it got it. farther along the process than you would expect for a scene that would end up getting deleted it was like they didn't it's like they've really 
waited till the last minute to cut it. They really didn't want to cut it, but they're like, ah, we just, we just. That's just efficient. Sometimes it just doesn't work on the editing floor, even yeah. if they have the time for it. They're like, it's just. It's just slowing things down or yeah. it's doing whatever. I, I would love to see the scene, though. So I, I, I have a feeling that we will get it in deleted scenes. But s- s- considering that they haven't, like, kept the information on lockdown, they're just, like, ad- freely advertising yeah, they just let the director just, like, broadcast the dress and all the photos. Yeah, like, yeah this is exactly. What so, have, like, you know, you know, like, yeah. yeah. It's it not was, a review. It wasn't yeah, it's not cut like, for being bad yeah, or for and being it, it, poorly it's not spoilery. Done. Like, we no. know they get married, you know, maybe, yeah. some, you know. A lot of editing is done for... I don't flow yeah. reasons, yeah. time constraints. Like they don't, they don't they want to keep the flow going if it's not going to be part of the time jump. But they don't want to make an, they don't want to make the second episode an hour and twenty minutes. You can yeah. do that for the finale, maybe. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of flow, I interrupted, I interrupted our outro with that anecdote. Uh-uh. But hey, y'all have come to expect <laughs> that from us. We got to say what we got to say. It's got to be said when it's got to be said, and that's how it works out. Until next time, folks. Thank you for coming. We're so excited to be going through the season with you all. We'll see you mm, Saturday, a lot of y'all, or Monday, a lot more of y'all. Until next time, Valar Reredis and Valar Rewatches.